When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, Tony Schiavone. Need to call a timeout real quick. Wanted to tell your listeners what I've been telling what happened when listeners for a while now about all the cool things happening over on adfreeshows.com. On a brand new edition of Insiders, Gary Juster sits down with Conrad to discuss his decades spent behind the scenes in AWA, NWA, WCW, and ROH. I don't think it was a battle with Eric so much on uh, TV versus house shows. It was a matter of if they're not making money, we got to figure out, you know, something else. You know, we just can't let it bleed like that. We go one-on-one with WWE Hall of Famer Teddy Long as he joins Mike Chioda for a special edition of Monday Mailbag. And so I'm tired, man. I'm really tired, but I don't want to let Mike drive because I already know, you know, I already know how he drives. So anyway, I just couldn't take it no further. So I said, Mike, you know, go ahead and, you know, know, take us in. So I got in, let Mike start driving. I guess, man, I went right to sleep because I was tired. So I guess maybe 10 minutes into that ride, all of a sudden I wake up, we're like in a tailspin. Royal Rumble season is here, and we watch back the most memorable rumble of all time, featuring the most iconic robe of all time, alongside the nature boy himself. Um, I mean, there was only one Olivia Walker. She was classic. And... um, but I, I just, out of nowhere, I just decided to um, to pick that color in black. You know, here's the deal. I, I've never had a great physique. And you know that black makes you look leaner. So black on black, black boots. So <laughs> I went to I went to black a lot after about 40, age of 41. <laughs> Very simple, honest answer. That's just a small taste of what we've got waiting for you. With four levels to choose from, see for yourself. My ad-free shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now at adfreeshows.com. The recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to my world. And of course, we couldn't do it without the Hall of Famer himself, your friend and mine, Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Jeff, how are you, man? Oh, Conrad Thompson. How we doing, pal? We're, uh, our football season is coming to an end. So, uh, you're going to have to, I don't know, take your best shots today. Looking forward to this topic. Dusty Rhodes, the Road Warriors, Raven. 
shoot, we could go on and on. These were some uh, fun times in TNA we're going to dip back into. So how's your world doing? We talk about my world every week. How is Connie's world doing today? My world is great. Uh, I'm excited for us to be talking about our topic. I love talking about old school TNA. You know, if you haven't already, I encourage you to go check out our archives where we talk about when Jeff first created TNA. And there's a huge breakdown of how to put together a company and how it all happened. You won't hear that talk anywhere else, but you will hear on our YouTube channel. Uh, so I hope you'll check that out. It is a big part of what we're doing. Uh, and it's going to make a lot of sense today. It's going to be a perfect companion piece. If you haven't already subscribe to that YouTube channel, it's my world on youtube.com. That's my world on youtube.com, but we got a lot of news and notes to cover before we get to today's topic. Uh, I want to go ahead and get the, uh, the, the, listen, we're going to play a lot of grab ass and have a lot of jokes and have a lot of fun today, but right That's at the top of the again. show, you came out all business, but man, you really came out hard business, but let's roll. Go ahead. Sorry I'm to end up partner coming out hard business because I, I want to just get this over with. We, we lost somebody who was universally respected in wrestling mm-hmm. this last week. Uh, the late great Jay Briscoe, when people talk about the Mount Rushmore of ring of honor, I don't think there's any denying uh, Jay Briscoe and his brother, Mark were there from the very beginning and Jay was there till the wheels fell off, man. You talk about a pillar for ring of honor, their former world champion, uh, their most prolific tag team champion, one of the greatest tag teams of all time. And now in a much bigger way, there's things more important than wrestling. His daughters are, are in a long road of recovery, but, but Mr. Briscoe lost his life. And I know there was a a celebration of life that was recorded sort of on the fly when you guys were in Fresno last week. And I know that, um, Tony Khan has stepped up behind the scenes. It's not really my place to say, but I know that he's going over and above for that family right now. And I, I know that there's a lot of criticism to go around and a lot of tribalism and wrestling and people say Tony Khan this and Tony Khan that, let me just say he's the dude for the way he's handling some of this stuff. And, um, I, I just, it's one of those deals where it puts some of our real life nonsense. Maybe we got this disagreement with a family member. Maybe we got this issue at work. Maybe we got this bill. We're stressing out something like this brings clarity to all of that. And it's a reminder of what's really important. And what's really important is our family and Jay Briscoe. Not only was he a great wrestler, whether it was singles or tags, but he was a great family, man. He was a great husband. He was a great dad. And he's no longer with us. So I just wanted right at the top of the show, before we get into playing grab ass to just take a few minutes and talk about Jay. You know, Conrad, as I'm just sitting here reflecting, um, as we talked before we got rolling here, um, I guess I'll, I'll kind of, uh, as we say, uh, be rigorous honesty, how life moves so fast. I have, uh, done a couple of work calls this morning already, Jim, you know, you know, our regular scheduled date to record my world. Uh, it's been a super busy weekend. Uh, what is it? Three or four weeks back to back, uh, West coast jaunts, uh, on top of a lot of other things. But, um, the reality is, uh, you were just talking about Jay as a talent, uh, as a pillar, as a family man, all that. I, I'm just going to, as I just sit here and reflect, 
how fragile life is. Yes. Um, that is what comes to my mind that, um, you know, recently we, we've had our podcast about Don West and it, it was a multi year up and down struggle. And I think everybody, uh, can, can relate to that. Um, that, you know, in a lot of ways, um, you don't want to think it, but we kind of had an understanding and hoping and praying for the best that Don wasn't headed or wasn't, I guess the better way to say it is the beginning of the end, uh, headed in that direction. In, in Jay's case, all in about 60 seconds, um, the news of Jay was, was, uh, I, I mean, uh, so I was on a flight from Dallas to Fresno. Um, Mark Henry was sitting right across the aisle from me. Um, a member of the AEW, uh, staff walked up, um, and just leaned over and kind of shared the news with both of us at the same time. Um, you know, me and Mark were a minute before that irritated that the Wi-Fi was not working on the flight properly. It was in and out and in and out. We were watching ball games. Um, but right then, you know, just the reality check that we're sitting here aggravated about Wi-Fi and hearing the news of, of Jay and, and then his daughters and just, as the details began to come out, just how, man, how fragile life is, how, uh, blessed. If you're listening to this, there is a gratitude list. I believe that you can make a mile long, just having the opportunity to wake up and go about your day. Um, there are no problems in, in life. There are no issues um if you get the opportunity to breathe in the air and um you're six feet above ground as opposed to six feet below the ground so you know jay um it goes without saying i had breakfast with jay lethal um last wednesday morning and um you know he worked uh, with jay off and on for years um the look in jay's eyes told me a lot of, and look, I, I, I work with the Briscoes. I saw him at the, um, Crockett cup last year and just th through the years uh, have been around them. Um, uh, obviously at, at, now at AEW, but just what a special human being, uh, the, the funny stories that you hear, um, you know, when, when I, uh, uh, discussed it with Karen, when I got home and she was just still you know, j just the disbelief. And, and of course, a mother's heart goes right to the daughters in the hospital. And, you know, Karen goes, you know, every time I was around them, they always called me Miss Jarrett. And she said that would irritate me. But in a lot of ways, uh, j just good dudes, great dudes, human beings, real deal, um, goes without saying phenomenal talent, uh, all the above Dutch Mantel is the very first guy who said, Hey man, let's take a look at these guys. And that, that's not for discussion here because, you know, they, they were 
cornerstones of ROH, but, but, um, just what a tragic loss. It is such a unbelievable reminder. And as I dove off into this episode, uh, I appreciate you bringing it up at the top because, um, that's the reality of the fact is that we, we, we think we have no problems. Well, I heard her saying recently that, um, I'm kind of going to hang my hat on and I hope I remember it. Problems are only pathways to progress. Um, that, 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 the, the reality of, of, of Jay's passing is just a, a unbelievable reminder, just how, uh, fragile life is. And, uh, I am grateful that, uh, all the blessings I have in my life and hope those daughters, man, Conrad, that is a tough, tough situation. Um, uh, you, you hear bits and pieces of positive progress, but, uh, their life was forever changed in a heartbeat. I, uh, I don't know what else to say. I, I just want to, I want to thank everybody for being a, a good wrestling community. You know, at, at times there's, there's tribalism that exists. And if you like this, then you must hate that. And once upon a time, you know, Jay tweeted something that was regrettable, but boy, did the wrestling community step up to support him you know, folks on that side of the fence who, who had every right to be offended came to his defense and said, man, he was a changed guy. I got to know the real God and judge him on that tweet. And everybody came together. And I mean, everybody, including Michael Cole, giving Jay Briscoe a shout out on commentary on Friday show. And you see WWE talent wearing the armbands and all the way over in Japan this past weekend, it's acknowledged. And he left a, a mark and, and an, he had an impact that I don't think even he probably understood at the time, but, um, just thoughts and prayers, you know, seems like a cliche thing to say, but your heart really does go out to the real life pew family, uh, not just his, his brother, but his wife and, and his kids and his parents. And it's such a tight knit family group and we're all pulling for them. And it's times like this that remind us that this really is just one big community it's not aew versus wwe it's wrestling fans man we're all kind of in this together and uh, i hope that we take this as a moment to stop and smell the roses and leave you know let him lead by example in the way he took care of his family and really had his priorities in check in that regard so shout out to jay briscoe and the entire briscoe family and uh We'll do what we can to honor his memory on our podcast network moving forward. But I have a feeling that some wrestling promotions are going to do the same. Yes, they are, Conrad. You know, I was sitting there uh, for, for for my experience. Um, I'll just say this, and I'll, I'll let you take it forever or we're, we'll move on. But, you know, in my experience with, with the passing of Owen, it happened immediately. And, um, it was almost as if we obviously didn't forget him, but we were back to work in the group for myself. I didn't process it and, and definitely didn't grieve it. Uh, however you want to say that ego man's man, it's not what we do. We, we don't talk about it. Let, let's just move on. Uh, that caught up with me, uh, 18 years later, however it may be. Uh, so I encourage anyone and everyone to get it out, whether it's a laugh or a cry or a discussion 
or just talking about it, uh, let your soul grieve. It is, uh, it will happen at one point or another. So, uh, I think there's a process everybody goes through. So, uh, it, it, you know, in so many ways, what you just said, community coming together, uh, is a, is, is a blessing. And, um, you just did a heck of a job, uh, pointing that out. Let's, uh, let's talk about some lighter stuff before we jump into our topic today. I want to go ahead and talk about two things. One is the fact that uh, I have to admit there's a fellow who wasn't on my radar, but he is now. There's a guy running around the independence named Jeremiah Plunkett, who's apparently punched his ticket to, to <laughs> Cody <laughs> angle, your son. He's yeah. calling out Jeremiah Plunkett, and I guess he's got a date with Destiny. I mean, oh, oh God, you just so uh, our morning routine around the household when I'm home, Conrad. I'm up yes. and out the door about the time Cody gets up, so right. I'm gone and going to a meeting and and doing my deal, and then you know walk into the gym and I get a text from Karen. And I, you, you're right. The, 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 the ticket has been punched, uh, through the weekend. We went to an independent wrestling show on Saturday night. I'll kind of give the, the set here. Um, you know, Conrad, I did want to talk about that. It was a independent wrestling show in Cheatham County, which is a, a, a neighborhood community, bedroom community of, of Nashville. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, professional wrestling, no matter how big or how small, we had about a thousand Conrad in a, uh, middle school gym. It was jam packed. The sponsor was a, uh, actually a recovery, uh, center. You can call them halfway houses or whatever it may be. So to, to raise money for a quarterback club or w whatever kind of civic organization is great. But for me to get the opportunity to raise money for a recovery center, it was really special. Uh, but my man, code dog went, he was in, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Jersey, Conrad, uh, Yep. We, we had the iPad with us. He had his phone. Uh, Karen's got Hulu installed on it. So he wasn't a real happy camper and the Jersey did come off, uh, for about 10 minutes. And I said, codes, we're at the show. You got to get that Jersey back on. And there were some people Conrad in the autograph line that are not only my world listeners, but, uh, they love Connie and, uh, they were talking about kind of the Jersey effect and who's he going to, you know, which uh, bandwagon he's jumping on. But when the, um, Let's just say it, Conrad, here's the deal. I guess the angle was shot. Cody was on the front row, loved him some wrestling, enjoyed it. And uh, old Jeremiah Plunkett came to ringside. Cody went to shake his hand, Conrad. Oh, no. Oh, and guess what Jeremiah did? What? Short-armed him. Oh, that's not what you do. Not to Cody Angle. Yeah, short-armed him straight up, and the angle was shot. And, um, I mean, there was a... A, a text exchange um, on, on Sunday morning that Hermie Sadler got involved in, and I think the direct quote was from Cody, shut up, old man. Your angle is over. You're retired. I've got bigger fish to fry. Wow. His name is Jeremiah Plunkett. Uh, so, Conrad, it was actually even discussed on one of those text exchange is I'm going to talk to Conrad Yes. and see how he wants to promote it. Well, so the ball may be in your court before you know it. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, be on the lookout for JeremiahPlunkett'sLastMatch.com. Uh, Cody Angle is going to punch his ticket for him. 
Uh, Kurt Angle's even getting in on the gag, uh, commenting, uh, go Coaster. No, he didn't. Oh, yeah. And then there's mom. Oh, love it. The, the nervous emojis. I mean, Mr. Plunkett, I, I just think you understand. Not only do you have all of my world on you now, <laughs> but you got Jeff Jarrett, you got Kurt Angle, you got Karen Jarrett. And as if that's not enough, we're going to let Cody Angle take care of our light work. So <laughs> buckle up, Buttercup. Brother, he punched. Uh, and I'll say this you know, my, my back's been giving me some uh, issues. So while I watched football yesterday, I was stretching it and all this. In between my stretching sets, I look over Conrad. Coaster's giving me a set of 10 push-ups and, and another set of 10. He's in training. He is in training now. So Plunkett, um, hey, and I'll let you in on – this is like little – Is this going down in Portland in May? Is that where this yeah. is happening? That's – I mean, it's it's like I, – I think it's going to be a lights-out match because Cody's booking it himself. He's showing up. I don't know if the promoter, Pro Wrestling Entertainment, understands that the card's already signed, but Cody's going to be there. I'm not booked there. Half, one half of the greatest tag team of all time, Ricky Morton's headlining that show. But Cody's getting on that show. And Cody actually told me that in the dressing room um, during the main event, J Jeremiah was semi-main event. Uh, and so Cody walked back in the dressing room and him and Jeremiah had some words. So, really? Yep. Well. And, well, he, here's how hot it got. Jeremiah kind of put his toe in, in some water that he probably shouldn't have. He accused Cody of being a, basically a bandwagon jumper jumper and said that, you know, he invoked the Steelers name and, Oh, weren't you a Steelers fan for a few months? And, and now you're a Jags fan and who are you going to be a fan of now? A lot of football animosity talk going on. So Plunkett doesn't really realize uh, what he's got himself into. Well, Lord bless his heart. <laughs> I, uh, I, I can't wait to see what happens here. And, um, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm being sincere because I'm going to be in Portland in May. I want to see this. And I'm just wondering, are we going to do like a barbed wire match or, oh, I mean, I know the stakes are raised, but let me, let me ask you this. Karen Jarrett will whip your no barbed wire. Okay. Well, you know what? Here's what, here's the real issue for, for Mr. Plunkett. He needs to know, watch the shoe. If Rick would have done that, life would have been a little easier. Yep. Watch exactly. the shoe. Watch and don't skip a generation. Watch <laughs> the shoe. Uh, hey, over the weekend, we did watch a lot of football. And uh, some of our picks went down the way we thought, and some not so much. Mm. I really wanted the Bills to win. I really wanted the Jacks to win. It did not happen. And then, uh, of course, I also would have liked to have seen the Cowboys. I thought it would have been poetic justice if the Bills beat the Cowboys. Well, it turns out the Cowboys ain't beating nobody. Nope. Uh, so this coming week, it's going to be the Eagles. Uh, at least in my opinion, I think the Eagles are going to get it done. Are you picking the Niners or are you going with the Eagles? Oh, the Eagles, I am still not convinced on Jalen. I'm still not convinced that the, I think they peaked too early. Um, just out of full transparency, your man, Derek Sabato, our um, one and only brilliant expert researcher who is clueless on uh picking football picks but um i told him we had a text exchange i said nope i said uh 49ers are, are gonna roll i think they got the momentum um i just think there's something about them they find a way to win and i think uh um i just don't think the eagles can do it but you're picking the e eagles huh Makes it more fun for you and i i'm going eagles you're going 49ers and then i got the Bengals. 
Uh, do you think the Bengals get the dub or is Patrick Mahomes too, too hot to handle? Oh, clipboard, Charlie, also known as, uh, Joe Burrow. Uh, I just don't think that they can deal with, uh, Mahomes. I don't think they can deal with the weapons. Um, I think if you really, really look at, uh, yesterday's game, Conrad, I really want to hear your comments. Jamar Chase is, I don't want to say generational talent yet because that's a little early, but he is unbelievable athletically gifted. And he makes Burrow look so much better than he really is. Um, just all the weapons that are, that are on the Bengals team. And then when you throw in a couple of bad calls, it's just that simple. Those, those, uh, pass interference calls that went Burroughs way, take three or four of those. Yeah. Three or four of those pass interference calls, take Jamar, not having unbelievable athletic ability. You got you a bills win. It's just that simple. And I have said it and I'm getting a little flack from, uh, uh, well, let's just talk about it. I mean, I think you should go ahead and acknowledge in a loud and clear voice, just look right in the camera and say, Mr. Parks, I'm sorry. Oh, stop. Now I'm not going to apologize on this program because I still take umbrage with the comparison that burrow is the next Joe Montana. I've said from day one, let's let him get a few wins under his belt before we do that. And I wasn't talking regular season wins or playoff wins. I mean, Super Bowl wins. That being said, I think it's going to be Burrow versus Jalen in the Super Bowl. I for one am pumped. And I guess the question is, and I, cause I understand that Chris Parks is under WWE contract and he, he's not approved to make podcast appearances, but abyss could, <laughs> and I'm thinking maybe we welcome abyss on the program here. If, and when Joe Burrow wins the Super Bowl. I, here's first, that ain't going to happen. So abyss is clear to do the podcast. Cause it ain't going to happen for okay. sure. What is crazy is that I actually believe that Joe Park, Chris Park, Abyss, whatever you want to call that imbecile who thinks he's the worst fantasy football player in the history of our league. And now he's – here's what's crazy. You think Cody Angle's a bandwagon jumper. Abyss really? is – oh, Abyss is tried and true. He's a Steelers guy. And well, what's now, he pulling for the Bengals for? That's my whole point. He's a sham. It's, 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 it's silly. So when I've continued to listen to his nonsense and look, it's, it gets so irritating because I actually think he now believes his own lies. And I said it the other day and I've said it online. I said it a couple of times, Joe Burrow is a couple of pass interference calls, a couple of, you know, Jamar chase goes down. A couple of his weapons goes down. Joe Burrow will be holding a clipboard in inside of 24 months. He, he will be a journeyman backup QB who had a nice little run and, oh yeah, you know, Burrow, they got to the Super Bowl. What happened? They lost. They got to the AFC finals. What happened? They lost. Oh, okay. Next. Conrad, we'll to- believe for a second. See, all kidding aside, you don't believe for a second that Burrow Burrow and Trevor Lawrence are the future of the NFL quarterback position. Oh my gosh. Parks was right. 
Kinda. <laughs> Kinda. I mean, listen, the Joe Montana thing's a stretch. It's, but a, it's, it's, just, it's, it's delusional. It is delusional. It's I like I used to have a given your line too. I used to have a friend who thought he was a horseman. You know, like <laughs> people can just create I their own fantasies. I, I got proof. The nature boy got it on print. We we we. I got the shirt right out there. Las Cuatro oh, Caballeros in Mexico. They they was deafening chance. Last week, the disrespect that you put on the name of a Hollywood A-lister will not go unchecked. Wait, you over here mispronouncing his name and saying, you know, that he's a a germ on on the business and all this. And Paul Walterhausen with his name, Conrad. Why do you keep doing that? What is his name? I look because I he's a Jonah Hill scrub. What? What is it? A uh, Walter, my bad. Paul Walter Hauser. Have you even seen Blackbird? Yes, it's phenomenal. I didn't miss an episode. My wife and I loved it. But I saw I Tanya. I saw the Richard Jewell story. I saw Queen Pins. Like I, he's my friend. I watch all and, of his stuff. and a bunch of other straight to stream. Uh, instead of straight to DVD, oh Walter Hausen is straight to stream immediately lost in never, never land. And oh yeah, he won an award and another, you know I might be flipping on this. It might be now that I'm thinking about, it, we might need a six man tag. It's going to be me, abyss, Paul Walter Housen, and <laughs> Jeremiah Plunkett. Housen, you we're got gonna, it. We're going to take care of y'all. You got it. Paul Walter Housen, you got it. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Well, these days, I know you and I are both starting our day with AG1 every single day. You and I have one delicious scoop and a cup of water. That's it. And we know we're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. Just everything you need to start your day right. It's a special blend of ingredients that supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your focus, your recovery, your aging, all of the things. What I enjoy, though, is better sleep quality better recovery, better mental clarity, more alertness. And I also like knowing that this contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, no artificial, anything. And it still tastes good. It's also lifestyle friendly. Whether you're trying to be keto or paleo or vegan or dairy or even gluten-free, this works for you. It works for everybody else too. It's the reason Athletic Greens has more than 7,000 five-star reviews. Think about the last time you even went to the trouble of leaving a review. Over 7,000 people love this so much, they left a five-star review. They went out of their way to seek out how to leave a five-star review. And right now, Jeff and I think it's time you reclaim your health, arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash my world. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash my world to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate 
daily nutrition insurance. It's good stuff, isn't it, Jeff? Everybody loves AG1. Went down the gullet at about 5.30 this morning. Every morning. It's, it really is good. Great way. It's, uh, you know, fast life we live. If you can get you a good dose of, of greens and veggies and nutrients, why not? Because you're going to end up spending that on something. And that's kind of the, the whole mindset is that uh, just make – get it delivered regularly. That's that's then it kind of takes all the guesswork out of the equation. So yeah, I'm a huge AG one dude. Check it out. Athletic greens. We think you'll love it. And we think you'll like today's show. Uh, we just talked, uh, maybe seven weeks ago about the end of TNA's 2002 and what the company was doing as they get into 2003. Go ahead, Jeff. Conrad, I was going to ask you something just because I thought about this when I was doing my cardio. I got a comment, uh, some guys that went to the independent show on Saturday night were in the gym and they came up and look, they went to SummerSlam. Uh, they went to AEW last year. Um, they, they drive to events. I mean, just that they're big wrestling fans and, and we'll make a weekend out of it and get hotel rooms and, and the conventions. Of course they were at Starcast. They did the entire deal. And one of the guys did Atlanta, uh, SmackDown did um SummerSlam on Saturday, Ric Flair last match on Sunday. Really into it. But they came Saturday night and they made the comment that their kids driving home in the car said, Hey Dad, I had a better time tonight than I had at blah 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 blah. Because they've been to a couple of events. So I say you know the the, the art form or the form of entertainment, whatever you want to call professional wrestling. I want to hear your thoughts on this because yes, it's an up close and personal experience, but you just think about the money that the dad spent driving to Atlanta or SummerSlam. And then yeah. the amount of money he spent on Saturday night. Is there any other form of entertainment? And I know minor league baseball kind of pops in my brain, but it's just not, I don't think it's apples to apples. Uh, we're both fans of this. What makes wrestling like that? I just, just because of the up close, I mean, we were in a high school gym or a middle school gym and that little boy had the time of his life. It's the, uh, it's a real life comic book. So it's, it's sort of over the top cartoonish violence. You know, MMA has sort of ruined the illusion for a lot of us. Now we know that jujitsu is. But I mean, nobody's really doing a bunch of jujitsu moves at a high level. That's getting big pops from the crowd. So just ground fighting, as opposed to the over the top comic book style action that we grew up on. So this was the real life version of that, it, you know, wink, wink. Uh, but at the same time, I also think it's because those characters stay those characters forever. Meaning you could still go see Jeff Jarrett. Maybe you grew up on Jeff Jarrett. Well, Jeff Jarrett's wrestling this Wednesday or Friday for sure. So go see that. But if you grew up on Joe Montana, we can't really go see that. Like mm. the, the traditional sports world, uh, you know, you have a shelf life that is much different. And I think that's when it becomes more about the team and the brand and the logos and, and all that and the organization. But wrestling is one of those where you can still cheer for these individual superheroes and it's not about what's best for the team. And, and because of that, we sort of have that emotional connection with the individuals. I think, I think there's a much bigger emotional connection 
that someone has, if they grew up on Superman or Hulk Hogan, than say the emotional connection they had to the bills or the Cowboys, unless maybe that was their dad's team or that was their grandfather's team. But that emotion, I think is, is what makes wrestling different from most everything else. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many different ways to slice that, but I wanted to hear your thought on that, but what a great business we're in. I mean, you just think about me and you, my world is generally speaking, other than dog and Chris park and making nonsense out of his stuff. We're, we're telling nostalgic stories and I, I get it pulling the curtain back and the story behind the story and all that, but what a great business we're in Connie. Well, and here's the thing too, the lines can get blurred and we can get caught up in it. And (laughs) like for instance, Jeremiah Plunkett, you know, he's probably thinking he's going to have, I mean, here's a spoiler. Cody angle. Don't know how to work. Y'all Cody (laughs) Angle's a stone cold killer. He's a straight shooter, son. He's a hooker from way back. Yes, sir. I mean, you, you watch him on social media. They were carting kids off the football field this past season. I mean, oh boy, here we go. Uh, topic. Hey, listen, if I don't give Cody a shout out every week on the show, am I even doing my job over here? Uh, let's talk about Bill Goldberg for a minute. Bill Goldberg is going to be all over the newsletters here because, uh, of course, everybody's wondering what's Bill going to do at this point. He's not yet popped up for the WWF. He's been on the sideline for all of WCW's hiatus, if you will, here, because, uh, well, they're gone. TNA is here though, in 2003. And of course, Meltzer says Goldberg has said publicly he'll never work with TNA because of Vince Russo, but he specifically asked, or he said he was specifically asked by someone in the company. If he was open to the idea of doing a one shot to cut a promo on Russo. And apparently Bill said, well, I'm open to the idea if the money was right. Of course, we're a startup company. We don't have that in the budget. Were there ever any substantial or serious discussions at all with Goldberg for TNA? Uh, not at this point. I think what well, Dixie had a lunch with him uh, several years later that I think you could classify on Dixie's part for sure substantial. I don't think on Bill's part. And it's it, it's strictly uh, dot money. Yeah. You know, uh, Barry Bloom repped him all, all these years. Um, Bill made a lot of money at WCW. He made a lot of money at WWE. Um, th- that, you know, Bill's a businessman first and foremost. So I, I never viewed any of the conversations with Bill substantial strictly off of there isn't enough money there for Bill to come. The other name that's thrown about who can help you know, get TNA to level up it's sting. And the torch would say this, that TNA officials have reached out to sting recently. The Russo's involvement in the company may hurt the company's chances of luring him in for an appearance. When asked by the UK sun newspaper, whether he preferred the ideas of Russo or Bischoff sting said, quote, I can say I never preferred Vince Russo style ever. And man, this just brings me back to, and we've talked about it a lot. And I know that there may be some sort of update you want to share, or maybe not, maybe that's private, but when we got a guy like Goldberg saying, I don't want anything to do with Russo, we got a guy like Sting saying, Nope, I did not prefer Russo style. 
and these aren't the only two. This is a polarizing figure to say the least, whether it's Jim Cornette or Sean Waltman or a handful of other folks. And I'm just curious from your perspective, did you ever start to wonder, is the juice worth the squeeze with Vince or did you just know, man, that's just wrestling. It just, essentially just wrestling. Yeah. Uh, nice way to say it. But in, in the fact that I think it would be an easy way for and I'm just using Bill uh, or plug in any wrestler you want. I'm not coming there. I mean, Sean Waltman had a good relationship with my father and and he had issues with Vince uh, Russo. And so was it really the money or did he really want to come or not want to come or was it Vince? But I always looked at it as wrestling. Um, in 2002, 2003, we're talking about, um, you know, Vince, had his success at uh, WWF, uh, and then we'll say he didn't have his success at WCW. But who did have success at WCW? I was there in, in 99, 2000, until the door shut. Um, so, you know, if you want to put everything on Vince, that's just not really a reality. Uh, did he make some, I'll call them mistakes or flaws or maybe bad booking or bad angles? That happens all day, every day in our industry because creative is subjective. Um, but it goes without saying just what you said, Sean Waltman, Sting, Goldberg, and and, and several others, Mike Tanay, others that didn't, um, I think the easiest way is, and maybe if Mike Tanay would have sat down with me, and he did, but I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, I think his his line of thinking from a logical perspective, does the good outweigh the bad or does the bad outweigh the good? And in my delusional optimism, which I think is as I've, as we've, you know, I think we're up in episodes 90 Conrad, when I kind of look back and I think it's cathartic for me that, that um, my delusional optimism sometimes was a blessing for me. And also sometimes it was a curse. Uh, and, and I think to this day, sometimes I'm not sure which it was, but, um, yeah, those points were always in the back of my mind. Just the fact of getting Jim Cornette and Vince Russo to work together from time to time, uh, what was maybe a challenge that I just said, I'm going to, I'm going to get this done one way or another, because they're both valuable to the industry. Dutch is value. I always saw the best in my mind out of everybody. There's some rumor and innuendo out there about you and Russo. Do you want to touch on that or no? Yeah, I mean, here's uh, here's kind of where all, all that. I don't even know where to kind of jump off, but I've said many times, publicly and privately, and even to Vince via email. Vince, I forgive you. Uh, you made your decisions, and I understand that they're not any business of mine, but it is what it is. So you go your way, and I go my way. Well, and as life happens and things start boiling up and start boiling up, I had a conversation, not about Vince, but uh, with, with a, I'll call it a, a mentor of mine who basically said, uh, it, as a part of this general conversation, hey, Jeff, what you don't know, you don't know. Mm. And what they don't know, they don't know. And in my brain, as that day went on, I thought to myself, self, no, but I thought to myself, you know, he's got a good point. And, um, I think it may be time for me to uh, now enough water's gone under the bridge. Um, I'm going to 
look, and I've, and again, I've, I've, I've made and will continue to make my amends because for a lot of years I was a tornado in, in my family's life, in my business life, about everywhere I went. Uh, so I, I'm going to reach out to him. It's, it's, it's a part of the program. It's a part of who I am today. And so uh funny story is when I reached out, I, neither phone number that I had on Vince worked. That's how old of numbers they were. Uh, but I did have a working email. Uh, he's uh, a dinosaur like some of us. I still have my AOL address, although really, really use it. He's, he, he does use his anyway, I emailed him and I said, Hey, you want to jump on a call? And he responded, he responded. Yep. And so we got on a phone call and uh, nice chatter talk up front uh, and then got into the kind of meat and potatoes of it of, I just wanted to pick his brain and I was an open book and you pick my brain. And I went right to the kind of heart of what I just said. And there were some private matters discussed, but obviously I've touched on them through the years uh, with the Carter family, with the TNA situation, uh, even with some personal stuff. Um, I mean, I, we could go on and on and on, but in general, I, I wanted to know kind of where his head was at. And I wanted him to ask me any questions he had to find out where my head was at. And that was the conversation that took place. Uh, and, and, you know, like any form of communication, just having communication is healthy. And so, you know, uh, we can say we tied everything up in a boat. That's not really life, but amends were made. Apologies were made. But I think for me, the growth of it is, is that I did learn a few things that came out of his mouth that what he didn't know, he didn't know. And I was shocked at a few things, uh, that, that he truly didn't know, but Hey, that's life. And when you assume mm. things the word assumptions, uh, I'm getting really deep here, but when you assume things about others, then the assumptions turn into expectations and then expectations on the most, most simplistic terms, when they aren't met, then you can get angry. And then that anger gets old, which turns into resentment. And then that resentment, regardless of what's going on in the world, if you've got resentment in you, that's poison. That is absolute. Po so, so regardless of what he did or didn't believe of what I said, or regardless of what I did believe what, what he said, I think the point of it is, is talk it out, have communication, open lines of communications on some points we can agree to disagree. And on other points, the light bulb went off and I'm like, well, I got a choice to believe him or not. If he didn't really know a, B and C, well then D is exactly kind of the result of it all. And so, um, it was cleansing. It was, uh, cathartic. I, there you go. It, it is, it, it, you know, and it's probably a conversation need to be had. Uh, what did I want to have it, uh, last year, last month, two years, three years? No, I, I, I didn't. Uh, but I did. And now I'm glad that I did. Um, Life is too short. I'm, I'm just kind of j j jumping back into the, the Jay Briscoe or even in yes. the Don West or any of that, just kind of the nonsense Conrad. But that's why I don't want to table this, that the conversation I had with Vince Russo and found out I'll call them facts. Cause now they are the matter of facts. They were very important to me. The, 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 the personal stuff with my family and, and that kind of stuff that we discussed 
is very important for me. It's who I am. It's, 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 it's who my family is, the truth, the realities of all the situations. But if he didn't know the realities, he didn't know. And so, uh, can't hang that on him certainly anymore. And so we've kind of moved on through that and, uh, that's life. That's life on life's terms. And, um, I'm glad I'm this side of it. Do you have that conversation after you heard about Jay? No. And that conversation. Uh, wow. No. Uh, found out Jay on the flight last Wednesday. That conversation was last Monday. Oh, after we taped. It was. Yeah. It, it was. It was. I, um, I'd like to think that I've become uh, a friend of yours and gotten to know you pretty well. And my read on this was always that your feelings were hurt. And I know that you may not necessarily agree with that classification, but I've come to know you to be a pretty emotional person. And we've had some private conversations where you maybe tongue in cheek, say I have some emotional intelligence, but I, I, I know for sure you, you have a very high, all kidding aside, your emotional intelligence is very high. Well, I know that you are an emotional person. And so sometimes you wear your heart on your sleeve a little bit and I could see how you just had your feelings hurt. And I always behind the scenes have rooted for and advocated for, Hey, y'all should just talk. Uh, because when you and I started doing business together, one of the very first things you stressed that you learned through your TNA experiment was over communicate. Hmm. Every problem you ever had, whether it was personal or professional, you would tell me they could have been a lot easier and less, less painful if you had just over communicated. And I'm glad to hear that no matter what you think of Jeff or Vince, that they had a chance to communicate for the first time in a long time. But what's interesting is I didn't know this conversation happened. I just started getting tagged in it in social because he sort of at least acknowledged that you guys spoke. I don't think he shared any details, but. I wasn't sure if that was okay or not. So I just threw it out there and just, you know, see what happened here. But I, I do hope that the lesson that the takeaway, and I realize well, this sounds a little soapboxy and I don't mean for it to, but in light of what we just learned about Jay Briscoe and how short life and fragile life can be, man, it sure does make it a lot easier. If you just clear your conscience and, 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 and get some of that clutter out of your brain and just make the effort. And I always ask myself self. If I do this, what's the worst thing that could happen? Yes. And if that happened, could I live with it? And you may, you put yourself out there to Vince and I think you're probably in a better headspace for it. No. Yeah. That, that's, that, that's it. I am so glad at the end of the day. And it, look, everything happened exactly the way it was supposed to happen. Yes. Regardless if I should have called a year ago or two years ago, or he should have called a year ago or two years ago, or the open lines of communication, whatever it may be, but it happened right when he was supposed to. Uh, yes, Conrad, the, um, and look, this gets way deep into it, but I, I think a lot of people will be able to relate to this. I was in my early upbringing, it behooved me. It benefited me, maybe even protected me to keep my mouth shut. And just the simple fact you grow up in a divorced family and your parents, yes. 
I never saw him have a civil conversation in my entire life. All my mom passed away a couple of years ago, but when you grow up in that kind of environment, I'm not, this is no self pity. No, it, it, but it, it goes to the point is I think the protection component of, I'm just going to stuff this. I'm not going to talk about it in a lot of ways, kind of the learned behavior that I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and not talk it out. Um, and that's the, what you just said. That's the absolute worst thing you can do. Yeah. You bottle uh, it up and carry it around with you. Yeah. Well, you just said, what's the absolutely worst thing that can happen to you after having a conversation? You're exactly as mad as you were before. What yeah. did you really lose? I mean, that yeah. that's probably the worst result, or maybe you get a little madder and then you go back to having that resentment because the resentment is just old anger. Uh, and, and so, yes, I told you, pal, your emotional intelligence, but look, uh, although I may, be a full horseman and led the NWO oh, uh, and other yeah. things, but no, I'll get it aside. There, there are th certain things about uh, dealing with life situations and you may be really, really good in business or really, really good and creative or athletically, but just relationship based uh, Conrad, I, I failed. I don't mind saying it. I, I failed in just about every relationship I ever had uh, until I got sober. And that's, that is up there at the very top of, of, of getting sober and understanding how to deal with life on life's terms. I got a little deep there, but that, that's the reality of it. It, it really is. That is the true reality. We talked about Owen. Oh, my best buddy passed away. Tragic accident. Okay, great. Back to work. Who does that? It's, it's, it's insanity. Uh, but, um, well, live you, heard, you heard it here, folks. You heard it here first. Jeff Jarrett no longer has a hard on for Vince Russo, but he does have the most rigid penis you've ever seen. Thanks to blue chew guys. We all know the confidence can take you far in life. That's especially true in the bedroom. But it's time to uh, <clears throat> step up to the plate. That's where blue chew comes in. Blue chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Think of it as like a hot tag for your wiener. You can be the tag team champion of the bedroom. You and Blue Chew. How about that? Take up any time, day or night. You can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com. Consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And here's the best part. It's all done online. No visits to the doctor's office. No awkward conversations. No waiting in line at the pharmacy. And Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA. They're prepared and shipped directly to your door. All in a discreet package. So if you could benefit. From extra confidence when it's time to perform, chew it and do it. Have better sex, y'all. We got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free. When you use our promo code MyWorld at checkout, just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. The promo code is MyWorld to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we want to thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. I want to give a shout out to everybody riding shotgun with us today. Over from adfreeshows.com. We do these shows early and ad free over at adfreeshows.com. But does it get any earlier than live? We've got a live studio audience. Want to shout them out. Michael Gallagher is here. David is here. And we're going to keep doing that self spot no matter what you think, David. Uh, Mark Cyrus is with us. Coach Rosie, shout out to Coach Rosie, always riding shotgun with us. John Hickson's here. Eddie Prather, really appreciate you guys turning up and turning out for us on a Monday morning. And uh, excited to continue our conversation here about Raven. 
Uh, we've got uh, a lot of uh, news and notes here that we want to touch on. Some nice little pieces of information too. How about from the torch? They report that you guys did a charity auction on December 15th. Uh, Sean Waltman actually put up his old WWF light heavyweight title belt, uh, and it went for 2,400 bucks, $2,500 is what someone paid to have a dinner date with Scott Hall and $2,800 was the highest bid for this charity auction. And it gave, uh, some lucky listener a chance to sit in and do commentary with Mike Tanay and Don West during a pay-per-view whose idea was this to, uh, do these charity experiences. That's a good idea. When I read in the uh, in the research, I remember all this, but it had to have come from Dixie, um, and her PR firm. Uh, what a great idea! What a great concept! But I chuckled, and I'm thinking, did that really happen? We auctioned off a WWE belt. Did you read that right, Conrad? Yeah, yeah, the light heavyweight title. I remember it. I've actually talked to Waltman about it, and he told me it was a charity auction. I didn't know it was for TNA, but I also didn't know there was a guy from Georgia named Andrew Stevens who paid $500 to jump in a cage and dance around like one of the TNA ladies. <laughs> Listen, it's all for charity. So I love it. But my goodness, Vince, uh, Vince Russo couldn't have booked this and Don West couldn't have asked for more fun things to sell. Hey, do you want to get your tail in here and shake it and wiggle it around? Throw me 500 bones and you're in. And we're auctioning off the WWE belt on the TNA fundraiser. Yes. All righty. R-A-S-S-L-I-N. That's wrestling. You talk about the wild, wild west days. Wow. Uh, some other news and notes uh, from the Observer are that Ring of Honor has a couple of wrestlers that are going to be brought in to do tryout matches. Xavier, one of the first, maybe the first Ring of Honor world champion, along with uh, two cats who used to be friends, Colt Cabana and CM Punk. Who's uh, who's scouting the uh, the non WWE independents, the Ring of Honors of the world? Is that Mike Tanay? Someone else? It, uh, I would say everybody and i, I but j just because it was you know it was a small group of us on wednesdays but jeremy borash scott demore mike tanay um and look i know i'm gonna leave folks out but it was kind of i mean aj styles going out and work shows uh chris daniels going out and work shows it just kind of happened hey you ought to take a look at this guy hey, you ought to take a look at that guy because the whole general as you'll see, as we get into this episode, I, and, and the, the, the different names that have, we've popped up, we're going to get into Henning talk and Piper talk and road warrior talk and dusty. In essence, we, we continue to kind of create this library. Uh, and, and, and I'm not saying we were creating a library just to create a library. We were creating this sizzle reel of, we are the alternative. Uh, and it's funny that how ring of honor and TNA started so close together and ring of honor had their, their code of honor, if you will. Um, and, and, and that was for lack of a better word, their branding, but I wanted to just be, create that, that alternative, um, of, of brand of professional wrestling. And so, uh, a Colt Cabana, a CM Punk, um, SATs, you name it. We, we just continue to have turnover uh, of talent and we had our core, our a AJ, our James storm, our Chris Harris, you know, we kept that core, but we continue to turn over talent and, and just see, uh, who we could and couldn't develop. Let's talk a little bit about, um, the, the, the nature of the business here. You're the NWA champion and you're still, of course, uh, you know, 
owner and, and performer for TNA, but you're still making outside shots because as a reminder, you're doing your shows through the week here. So on the weekend you're available. So you're doing shots, uh, in Puerto Rico and in Japan for zero one wrestling. You're over in Europe for world wrestling all-stars. And it's been said that as you make some of these tours, you take a little ribbing from some of the guys in these different locker rooms about how often you used Vince Russo on the TNA shows. Do you recall the guys ribbing you a little bit in that regard? I was trying to really think when I read the research and think right, who would have done that on the war wrestling all-stars. I got to think Lex and sting and buff. And, and I'll just say some of the WCW crew. Um, I can see that happening. Do I have perfect recall of that? Absolutely not. Did it probably happen? Yep. Uh, but I just don't re re recall it specifically. Um, uh, but kind of the state of the business, I think is really a, of an example of how some things change in our industry and some things just don't change at all. Cause when you look at modern day AEW, you know, it's, it's a Wednesday show. Yes. Order they have pay-per-views and every now and then they have a Friday, but you know, there's a lot of guys out working different places and me as, as an owner and, and investor and everything that went with all that, I also wanted to get out and help brand the company, help market the company. Um, also look for talent, but Conrad at the end of the day, um, it was a payday as well. Uh, you know, I'm, uh, at this stage, I'm what, 35, 36, 37 years of age. So, um, I knew that I was, could be box office, uh, for other organizations. And when I finally remember the Puerto Rico days, business was red hot there. Um, and, and Dutch knew what he's doing and he would build me up with promos and I would go down and work into his storylines and great, great payoffs and, and just kind of keep, we'll call it the Jeff Jarrett brand going. I want to ask, um, about the international opportunity. You know, we just listed your wrestling in Europe, your wrestling in Japan, your wrestling in Puerto Rico. But in the middle of all this, TNA signs a deal with Star World, which airs in Hong Kong, India, Indonesia, Malaysia, the Middle East, the Philippines, Singapore, South Korea, Taiwan, Thailand. And they're going to start airing your shows on January 17th. And they're going to air on a seven month delay because they're going to start airing the shows in sequence. They're going to start from the very first show. And I realize and recognize that the folks who are listening to this show by and large, get obsessed talking about television ratings. But when we talk about television ratings, we only talk about the domestic television ratings. It's as if we have blinders on and the rest of the world doesn't exist. And it's just coast to coast here in America. And we, we judge whether something is successful or not successful based on how many people watch it just in this one country, not considering, Hey, the world's a big old place. Y'all. And to have an opportunity to sign a deal with a star world like this, this is an opportunity to really level up from not just a domestic standpoint, because certainly you're going to keep trying to grow in that regard, but the rest of the world, this is quote unquote found money here for you guys. Is it not? Yes. And this is, this is Conrad. One of the fun parts to, for, for me doing the, 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 the podcast star world 
Matthew Odie was our international agent. This is before RDA Richard Dennis and before we, you know, really grew up. But Matthew, who ironically was Middle Tennessee based, but he was an international sales agent. But so the kind of the whole set point of this is from day one, as a part of my business plan, I had international sales in there. And I think back self, no, how did I kind of move into that? Conrad, in 94, WWE house show business was down. Right. And I believe when Kevin Nash and, and Scott Hall, but, you know, I just remember we traveled so much, me and Kev, but but uh, we did, I think, seven tours out of 12 months overseas. And I can remember bus rides and hotel rooms and just kind of thinking things through, even back then that man this german tour of four days and packed houses just how much money as a promoter i was thinking how much money's to be made outside of the u.s and you know coming from T tennessee and the weekly episodic towns and all that and then to jump to wf and start seeing this international money i, I just and i'm i'm more bullish today than i've ever been because the the wrestling form of entertainment has been uh, uh, import export. It's been an export of us for years and years and years now, but yes. we got our first star Asia deal. I knew that this can really be big. We, we can develop a revenue stream and you start thinking about, all right, if we can make X amount of buys over here, uh, you know, and, 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 and get that up here, wherever that may, but if you start making money, ju just the revenue streams that are available in our industry, but it was a big deal. And, you know, it, it said in there, go back, you know, going to be seven months old. Well, that's true on face value. But for me, kind of the sweet spot of Matthew Odie is, hey, we don't want to pick up and start airing episode, whatever it is, 50. Let's go back from the beginning. And so what if we're six months, you know, this is 2002, 2003. What happens if we're, who cares if we're six months behind? These networks want content and content that'll get ratings. So the people watching it in Hong Kong or Asia or wherever it may be, they don't care. They want to watch this weekly episodic content. So it was the first major deal uh, of many to come. But internally, we were really excited. And as from an investor, when, when, and I'll just say Bob Carter, but when the Carter and when Panda can look at, okay, here's, here's a revenue stream that's being open. That's growth. Now it may be small and we got an Australia deal, but look, little by little by little, you could just kind of see the, the growth and you look modern day now and look at the WWE, you know, reports and the most profitable year ever and the matter, but you look at that international money in there, big money. Really big money. Uh, well, so. it's, I'm glad you said that because I feel like, you know, we get a lot of, uh, talking heads in wrestling and Hey, I'm one of them, but we get a lot of them who will come out and say, Oh, well, wrestling's never been fewer. People have never watched the program. Blah, blah, blah. Wrestling's dying. WWE's losing their, <laughs> that might be true domestically, but if that's true, how are, how do they have more top line revenue than ever before? How do they have more profit than ever before? So you can take a look at any one metric and say, well, this is what's happening, but you really need to see the whole big picture before you make a diagnosis like that. And 
in my opinion, for a relative startup 20 some years ago to all of a sudden go from, we're doing weekly episodic pay-per-views out of a building that probably should have been torn down every Wednesday here. And now folks in Hong Kong and India and Indonesia and Malaysia and the Philippines and on and on and on, they're all going to see this program that can't be viewed as anything other than high fives all around huge high fives. And you know, in modern day, not to dive into, but I'll just respond on that. When people, if you want to look at, we'll just say a Monday or Wednesday rating of a segment and it's a couple of million or million, whatever it is, then you take that same clip and go to the YouTube channel and look at that clip. And yes, you got to break out, you know, the international markets, which you can, and you kind of look at, okay, so this segment was aired on Monday or Wednesday, and now it's aired on YouTube. How many times have people seen it on YouTube? Then you can go over to Instagram. Okay, here's some viewings. Here's some reels. Here's this. Here's that. I, I just, and look, I love social media because it is the great debate and can go on and on and on. But, I mean, going back to Saturday night, uh, I mean, a thousand people watch wrestling Saturday night in a, one County in middle Tennessee. It just, the, the business, is it perfect? No. Is it thriving? Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's, it is, it is. There were two shows in Huntsville this past Saturday night. No way. Independent rocket city wrestling and game changer wrestling. They both ran. They both had good crowds, you know, for Huntsville, but no, but I mean, so, okay. And WWE was just there. Oh my God. That's going to kill, kill the town. WWE yeah. came to down. You can just sh shut down everything else. By the right? way, WWE had more people to a house show here than ever before. Well, I say ever before. I mean, in the last they 20 had, years, they had a good, good house. I heard. Yes. I heard through the grapevine, a friend of ours, uh, told me that it was the best they've had. And as long as they can remember. Yeah. Yeah. That's Huntsville for a long time has been a sea town. I mean, we got a raw way back when. Uh, but you know, it's been a sea town, but we've been getting house shows and I didn't get to go to this last house show. We had Morgan in town and that's a rarity since she's off at school now. But, um, my buddy Cassio went and he goes, dude, there was definitely more people than we were there last. And you know, he's local. So he knows the local promoters and he asked and yeah, ta-da, more folks than, uh, have been in the WWE show here in a long, long time. Well, and here's kind of going into that years ago whatever we'll say in this era that we're talking TNA. If you wanted to see a wrestling show, you went down to the Von Braun Civic center and watched it. You couldn't go over on YouTube and Instagram and, you know, have your plethora of watching 15 different promote, you know what I'm saying? So now it's everywhere. I mean, right. it's 24 seven. It, it is, it's, it's everywhere. Uh, and you know, when you start dropping in the, celebrities that are a part of it, it then it just kind of extrapolates out even further but uh back on topic star asia conrad was more than high fives all around because in the sales world and you know this better than i do we've got a sale over here in india immediately that puts us start thinking how long's this contract when contracts up let's go find uh, an alternative and hopefully get in a bidding war well we, we're in asia so let's go to the uk uh, let's go to these different territories and regions and just keep that ball rolling that's that's just that's part of the growth and a lot of fun to be a part of that 
Christopher Daniels is going to be in the news here. He's offered a tryout for WWE developmental. And, uh, it's noted that Daniels is not under contract with TNA because of his overseas commitments. I think he was doing Curry man at the time. Um, he's obviously going to be a, a, a staple, but I know that your attitude towards guys trying to make a name for themselves with WWE has maybe gone back and forth over the years, but I think you've gone out on record as saying if in this era where the TNA money is not huge and it's not guaranteed, you weren't holding anybody back from those opportunities, right? None, none. Yeah. It, 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 Cause it kind of went both ways. A, there's no way we can pay him. B, if you keep them around at, at this stage of the game against their will, that never works out. It right. just, it just never works out. So that was the deal. Let's, uh, Let's talk about the wrestling observer, the year end awards come out. Mike Tanay is voted the best television announcer in the business long overdue. The professor had been entertaining us since the nitro days, but it seems like, you know, it always went to Jr. or somebody like that, but Mike Tanay, man, finally getting his flowers here. That's pretty cool. And, uh, I wish Mike Tanay was, was more active in wrestling today. Don't you big time? Um, you know, what's funny is he won, this is the Melter award, correct? Yes. He won it, but yet Dave, and it's part of his job. I'm not saying, I'm not saying a Dave bash, but he was probably the most critical yeah, of the product. So, um, just kind of an interesting, when you, I mean, what I'm saying, just kind of an interesting scenario that his readers, I guess they weren't really listeners at this time, but his readers well, voted. Well, voted. No, Mike, Mike Tanay was boys with, with Meltzer. Make no mistake. Oh, was was yeah. his. Yes. Oh, no, no. I, I, I get all that. But still, his listeners were being, you know, Dave was bashing the product probably the most, but Dave, but Mike won the best announcer award. How do you become the best announcer when you're talking about crap? That's kind of what my point is, is yeah. that. I'm with you. Yeah, but no, all in fun. Good stuff. Speaking of crap, Bobby Heen has been dealing with some, he's had uh, surgery and uh, obviously he's going to have to have some scar tissue removed from his jaw. That was uh caused from his radiation treatment for throat cancer. I bring all this up because it's reported that you would reach out to Bobby Heen and trying to bring him into TNA. And I know Mike Tanay would have been a big advocate for that. They were big pals. How close did we get to seeing Bobby Heenan become a regular part of TNA programming? It was never really close. He had health issues, uh, first and foremost, but, but also, you know, Bobby just, uh, I mean, it goes without saying a legendary performer. I mean, in so many ways, but I would have been happy to get Bobby once a month, every other month, uh, a guest cameo here and there. That was kind of the open invitation. Mike, if you can make it work, you know, it's, and I'm saying Mike, cause Mike was the one in day-to-day contact with him. If you can make it work, let's do it. And it never worked out. Let's talk a little bit about this, uh, Mike Tanay Vince Russo debate. We're going to have a, a debate on the program and Meltzer's pretty critical of it. He says that it wasn't scripted and these guys were put in a position because of the legit bad blood between them to just debate each other. And in the course of this skit, Russo says he gives the company six months before it goes out of business. And Elix Skipper says the company's too cheap to fly them in. And everything about this makes the promotion feel less than in minor league. I know it wasn't scripted, but 
Dadgum, in hindsight, maybe it should have been a little bit. Art imitating life and life imitating art. I mean, we were blurring the lines. Um, and I think the word script is relative. Was it written out word for word? No. But were there absolute guidelines, kind of like you referenced? Well, sure. It was point counterpoint. Um, and Mike digging into this, Mike Tanay, he's great play by play. Um, and, and and I'll say, you know, the, the the voice of the brand, but get Mike involved in a storyline or an angle or selling a hard point. He made you believe. I mean, he, and look, uh, Heenan, not only his best friend, but probably in a lot of ways, um, uh, Mike looked up to him as a talent. But being able to sell a point, and you look back on some of the Mike, uh, uh, Mike Tanay, Don West point counterpoints that they would get going, uh, whatever it may be. Um, Mike made you believe. And for all of Vince Russo's criticism of, of his writing, Rarely do you see people criticize Vince as a talent. Yes, we can criticize any talent at any time because it is complete subjective. Yes. Vince playing, he ain't playing. I mean, but the New Yorker, brash, know-it-all, sports entertainment versus professional wrestling, Vince was very good at that. So they made compelling television. Was it must-see TV or was it done perfectly? Of course not. But it made for a compelling argument, and hell, at this time, Meltzer knew what was scripted, not scripted. He's going along with it. He's writing his fiction uh, to our benefit at this point, but he knew what was up. Well, we know what's up. If you're looking to uh, maybe save a little money like TNA was, not flying everybody in, can I recommend Backyard Butcher? The wait is over. Quality steak, free shipping, period. Backyard Butcher's restaurant quality steak boxes are now available online. Let me explain. You get steakhouse quality, bulk meat specials, responsibly sourced from American farms, delivered right to your door. Imagine opening up a box of high quality steak and being able to recreate the steakhouse experience right in your backyard at less than grocery store prices. And that's exactly what you'll get when you order from Backyard Butcher's. I have to admit, We've had a few meat sponsors on our program before. I didn't quite know what to expect. But when I heard it was restaurant quality at less than grocery store prices, I thought to myself, self, how can they do that? But I'll be damned if they did. Perhaps you had a family gathering recently and you would have liked to have had everybody chomping down on some steak, but maybe it was out of the budget. Well, man, I cooked some of the best steaks we've ever had off the grill here, and it was so affordable. Seriously, not only does it taste great, not only is it restaurant quality, but cheaper than grocery store prices. You're going to beat all this inflation pricing at the grocery store. You see people talking about meat and eggs and how everything's getting up there. Come on. This is the life hack you've been looking for. Cut out the middleman grocery stores and get responsibly sourced 100% American beef, pork and chicken all from the heartland of america backyard butchers even have this awesome box it's an eco-friendly insulated box they want to make sure that your meat gets to you at the optimal temperature range you see backyard butchers on all their meat is fresh safely packaged and delivered right to your door 
They've got tremendous customer service too. And there's no memberships. There's no subscriptions. You can subscribe or cancel anytime. Try them once. And man, I'm telling you, you'll want to subscribe or reorder because you're going to love the price. You're going to love the ease. You're going to love the quality. You're going to love the taste. And they got it all, Jeff. They got steak. They got pork. They got chicken. And right now, for a limited time, they're offering the listeners of My World with Jeff Jaron a special deal. Get 15% off plus free shipping. And how about this? Jeff's favorite. Four free ribeyes for life. When you sign up, you'll get 15% off and free shipping and four free ribeyes for life with every subscription. That's four free premium restaurant quality juicy ribeyes delivered directly to your board to your door in your monthly subscription. And it's less than what you'd pay at the grocery stores. You're going to thank me later when you visit backyardbutchers.com. Click on the online shop and order. No script subscriptions or memberships are necessary. So why wait? Get your hands on some of the best steak, the chicken and the seafood that you'll ever taste. And make your next steak night an event to remember. Remember to visit backyardbutchers.com. Use our promo code MYWORLD. Get 15% off your order, free shipping, and four ribeyes for life. That's backyardbutchers.com. The promo code is MYWORLD. Beat meatflation at the grocery store. And did we mention free shipping? Jeff, you've had some backyard butchers. You've had these ribeyes. What did you think? Oh, boy. You know, Conrad, in our early days of my world, we broke bread together quite a bit. Yes. Well, we ain't broke bed since, uh, have we? We ain't sat down with a meal since, um, since you beat up my father in law. Well, I'll just say that. But, you know, since the AEW days, and I'm, I'm really focusing in on my diet. So I can't have none of that fried stuff. I've eaten lots and lots of protein. Backyard Butchers is the real deal. It's delicious. And, uh, if you're a hearty eater like me, you may want to get eight ribeyes because I, I put them down two at a time. They're delicious. They are really, really good. Good lean uh, meat. Uh, throw it on the grill, pop it up, get me some taters, and off to the races. Backyardbutchers.com, promo code MYWORLD. Uh, let's get back to the show here. Dusty Rhodes, the Road Warriors, and Mike Sanders all appear unannounced and unadvertised on a TNA show here. Uh, Meltzer would write, using Sanders as a surprise doesn't matter since he's not a ticket seller. I'm not sure Warriors are after one appearance either. And they already had that one, but not advertising them two shows in a row seems preposterous. Rhodes not being advertised when a nostalgia act like him will only mean something once is so sad, but they've convinced themselves they'll draw by bringing in surprises uh, for as many people will tune in weekly because they're afraid of what they might miss. So two schools of thought here. I know for sure that Eric Bischoff in the Nitro days believed in Sarsa. And one of those S's was surprise. And he thinks that that was a big way. And I, and I would agree with him. I think a criticism that's out now, and I know we don't talk about current stuff, but AEW posts up, Hey, here's what you can expect tomorrow night on dynamite. So you kind of know exactly what it is. Well, way back when, when I was watching nitro, maybe I knew that there was one thing advertised or promised from the previous week, but I kind of didn't know what was going to happen. And I had to watch to see, but this is a different animal here. We're on pay-per-view and it does feel like if you've got a dusty roads and a road warriors, you would want to let people know about that up front. So you can offset whatever that cost is. I'm sure you thought through it. Talk me through your thinking at the time and not announcing it. Well, uh, go, going to the heart of what you don't know. You don't know. A lot of times we wouldn't get confirmation, um, on who could and couldn't be there. Uh, I mean, we were, it was a Wednesday night churn 
um, that that's kind of one element. Uh, I think there is a double-sided edge here that you do want that surprise. And had you advertised the Road Warriors or Dusty or whoever it may be, let them be a surprise the first time. Also, how in the world were we supposed to do this advertising campaign and and promoted as such that that you know a marketing campaign in our budget wasn't really a big uh, I'll say a big marketing campaign. Uh, we talked on the Don West episode about our John Boy and Billy, and a lot of times Dave would think that it was a surprise when in reality we did our best. Maybe we didn't put it on TNAWrestling.com till five in the afternoon or whatever it may be. But uh, there's two sides to that. And, and, and I think both are right and both are wrong, but we were very conscious of the fact, can we advertise? What are we going to advertise? Um, I, I do think, I don't know what you meant by the, the, it mean, but I think the surprise factor, I don't say always works, but yes, there is an element to professional wrestling that you, <clears throat> I think you can get a snowball rolling or get momentum going that you truly have the sense of, you don't know what's going to happen next. And I think that's a real good thing. If done correctly, if you're doing a swerve to do a swerve or a shock to do a shock and it's not over delivering. And if you advertise the fact tune in, you don't want to miss this. It's the greatest surprise in the world. You set the bar too high and that fails so again, it's so subjective. All of this is so subjective. Um, you know, Dave had his viewpoints, rightly or wrongly so. Um, it's not like we didn't discuss it. It's from time to time, there were many, many factors that went into whether we advertised or didn't advertise. Well said. I do want to ask about uh, some of the other folks who show up who maybe didn't care. I'm talking about Kurt Henning. He's going to wrestle David Flair in an axe on a pole match. Axe on a pole match. Uh, here's the write-up directly from the observer. Henning and David Flair had an early worst match of the year candidate with an axe on a pole match, which was never mentioned in either advertising or even on the show until you could see workers putting poles on one of the posts. Henning, for whatever reason, was supposed to win, but he decided against climbing the pole. Apparently he told Chris Vaughn before the match that in case he didn't want to climb the pole, he'd signal him. And he did only about two minutes into the match. Flair had regressed badly since coming to OVW and people have remarked that it appears he just doesn't care. Henning clearly feels this thing is beneath him and shows up in body, but never in spirit to the point where he's worthless. But this guy set a new record for lack of effort. After the match, Flair laid out Henning by hitting him with a bag containing a mystery foreign object. And before the match, Henning was once again talking about taking down Lesnar on the airplane. Henning did a radio interview a few days later and blasted the company for not giving him more input into the storylines and made it appear he wasn't going to come back. Uh, man, lot to unpack here. What do you remember about Kurt here and his quote unquote lack of effort? This wasn't the Kurt that I met in 1989, 90. 88, 89, 90, what it just wasn't the same Kurt. Um, that's really the best way to say it. It wasn't the same Kurt. His heart wasn't into it. 
by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you know, the, the, the reality of the Mr. Perfect days. And then, you know, a lot of times at WCW, it, does Eric ever comment on that? I'm, I'm just as it's coming across our discussion points, I, a lot of times at WCW, you could tell that Kurt's heart wasn't in it at WCW as well. He just wasn't the same guy of the Mr. Perfect Kurt hitting or the AWA world heavyweight champion Kurt hitting. His heart was not into this at all. Him and my dad had a really good relationship. I think more than anything, um, that was at the very top of the list while he was there. Uh, cause there was a relationship with me too, but, but more probably at this stage with my dad, but he, he just, he just wasn't the same guy. Let's also mention that, um, there's a report in the torch that I found interesting. TNA officials were laughing at Kurt Henning for complaining during a recent radio appearance about the company, not listening to his creative ideas because he's attended several production meetings and was even allowed to book the finish of his own match against David flair. It was Henning's idea to have the ringside attendant climb the pole during the ax handle on a pole match against flair because Henning was concerned. He wouldn't be able to climb the pole. How's that for Minnesota's greatest athlete. It's worth noting that Henning was not happy about wrestling flair. And complained about it repeatedly beforehand. If the guy's in the production meetings, what else does he right? Like how much more involved and deferential could you be? That was, uh, again, I, I just think the most respectful way to say it is that Kurt was not the same Kurt that not just, I knew that a lot of folks and, and, you know, yes, he was involved and my dad wanted him. We all wanted him engaged and involved. His heart just wasn't in it. Well, his head wasn't in it. You're going to wrestle three matches on this show, uh, a triple X gauntlet where you pin Christopher Daniels and Alex Skipper before low key. And then that ends in a DQ when Daniels and Skipper interfere. Dusty's return saves you from getting put through a table by SEX. And he lays everyone out with elbows. And then the road warriors come out as well. This is a lot all at once. Is this maybe too much? I think we were building toward an eight man tag and it okay. was, um, you know, um, bedazzle them with, uh, no, just create excitement. If yeah. I remember correctly, we were building toward an eight man tag and that's why the, the whole setup was the three members of triple X and Russo against me, the road warriors and dusty. Um, Meltzer would say, I know Russo doesn't have a clue how to make it work because he's never seen a promotion where it has, but Jarrett has been around long enough to where he should be able to understand how to properly book smaller guys with a high flying style along those same lines of non understanding that different styles aren't conducive to each other. Larry Zabisco was contacted about coming in and doing a program with styles. Larry Zabisco versus AJ styles. My goodness. That's well, just kind of the, 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 the maturity, just the development of AJ Styles. He can have X division matches. Let's get him in a storyline. If Larry was up to it, just, you know, the old, and I'm not saying it's people listening to this may not even remember. This may be totally irrelevant, but at one time there was a huge story between Bruno San Martino and, uh, no, am I getting that right? Yeah. Bruno and Larry mentor. Yeah. T. Uh, yeah. and so let, let, Larry Zabisco, he was still in good shape, come in and, and do a quick program, uh, but it'll give AJ uh, a hard left from doing X Division week in and week out. Again, to develop the personality of AJ. His in-ring persona was there. It's 
you know, my old man would call it, we've got to build the box office attraction. Well, the other attraction you're trying to work out is uh, Roddy Piper. We recently talked about when Roddy sort of mentioned Owen and, and ruffled some feathers and his shoot, shoot, whatever you want to call it with uh, Russo. And now he's going to be taping some promos for TNA to air while he's in Portland. I know, I assume rather that Dave Penzer had a hand in all this, but the observer would even report that Meltzer didn't quote unquote, trust the Jarrett's to make a live appearance. What's the relationship with Piper? How did it get sideways? How did Russo feel about him being involved after what happened before? I mean, Roddy was being typical Roddy. I mean, now look, Roddy may have said other things to others, but to me and to my father, he was nothing but professional, nothing but business. And it's to my knowledge, he never said, Nope, I'm not coming. I don't trust you guys. Uh, look, there's always a financial situation at this time. Roddy is about selling Roddy's books. Uh, and if he can get some publicity and not have to get on an airplane and fly from Portland, Oregon to Nashville, Tennessee, uh, and he can send in a video, it's a heck of a lot easier and a heck of a lot less expensive and whatever it may be. But, you know, it didn't get sideways. It got sideways between Russo and him, but that was irrelevant in the TNA Piper relationship. There's some more, uh, unadvertised surprises. Uh, Nikita Koloff, Larry Zabisco and Conan are out the next week. Um, you're adding a lot of talent here. Are, are you thinking, this is adding to the bottom line, or are you just trying to see what's going to hit and get some chatter and get some buzz? Keep creating buzz. Uh, you know, I know it's a little thing, but it wasn't a little thing to us. That first star Asia deal, or whether it be Australia, just trying to keep the momentum. And look, we've gone through eight, 10 names just on this uh, podcast. Uh, again, creating chatter. Um, and I also think from a philosophy point of view, if you have basically the same 30 talent week in and week out on, on every Wednesday that can get stale real quick. But if you have the core of America's most wanted and Jeff Jarrett and AJ styles and, and you know, four five, six other guys, but then the next 15 talent or so are a, a good churn and a good turnover. That was a philosophy that was used often in the early days to just create turnover. Um, that each individual show was different. You know, I'm not gonna say it gave you a reason to watch every week, but you weren't going to see the same talent week in and week out. Let's talk about Dixie Carter. Uh, she is going to give a speech to the company talking about turning things around and she's going to brag that uh, pay-per-view buys are up 22% from the December 18th show to the January 8th show. Belts are working backwards. Thinks that means that the buys went from 2000 buys to around 2,400 buys. Is this the first time you remember Dixie giving some sort of a rah-rah speech to the troops? I don't specifically remember this, but she would give maybe small group rah-rah speeches every Wednesday out at Nashville. Um, I do remember kind of the accounting stories that Conrad, so you get monthly reports um, from, from in demand and direct and dish, but direct and dish gave gave a better story of, of Wednesday buys, but you would get this massive spreadsheet 
God bless Panda when they were trying to, you know, at one time, you know, you've got a weekly show and you've got, you know, we're nine months into this. So nine times, you know, you got 36 shows and the accounting that can be 60, you know, a, a guy doesn't pay their cable bill for 90 days or maybe 120 days, but then to keep his cable on, he's got to get caught up. So he's paying his full cable bill. Oh, here's a buy from 60 days ago. Well, then that gets attributed to that buy. So you can kind of look at different shows, the ebb and flow. It's kind of a massive nightmare in the accounting part of things on what buys go to what show. But from time to time, you would go, oh, wait, this show 12 weeks ago was 20%, 30% better than the week before. What did we do? That was a challenge. But, you know, it appears that Dixie got some real good news from Dallas on certain accounting for certain shows and she shared it now the interpretation and how it finally got to dave's desk and finally got to dave's desk and printed that to me is a whole nother story but um dixie liked to share good news and who wouldn't but you know how accurate not saying that she was given bad news it was the true accounting issues of following the bias Let's talk a little bit more about Dixie. The torch would say this Dixie Carter, the daughter of Panda energy's owners has become known for telling just about every wrestler that she's heard great things about them. That said, she's liked by the wrestlers because she doesn't flaunt her ownership role. Likewise, Chris Sobel, who oversees TNA for Panda is also well-liked by the wrestlers. Um, I know eventually that's going to change, but Dixie certainly knew how to, uh, be a businesswoman, right? I mean, her. She was hired originally day one was trifecta entertainment, public relations and marketing. Uh, so she's a pro at public relations, uh, and very, very good at it. Very good at it. So it came, I don't even want to say second nature, first natured her to be personable and get to know talent and get to know product, get to know folks. So, so yes, um, Chris Sobel having good reviews early. I, I can remember, I mean, it turned quick for me personally because of some things that were said in confidence in, in business meetings. But I, I can remember the early days is that Chris wanted, he wanted his job to work out, of course, because it's going to be a constant payday. I think he got pressure from the top, unduly, just super, super pressure from Dallas. And look, we all handle things differently. I think at times he handled it wrong and, and it turned south. I'm not, I don't remember a talent ever really saying, I don't, I don't like this Sobel dude, but in within the confines of the TNA offices, Sobel made enemies so quick. And, you know, as I look back on it, maybe it went on to communication. He wasn't communicating where he was getting the pressure from. He was putting it all on his shoulders and it just got ugly and uglier and uglier. Well, something that else got ugly was, uh, some of the, the guys getting out of line or so it's red in the torch. Jeff Jarrett and Mortimer Plumtree held a meeting with the wrestlers prior to the show this Wednesday, Plumtree did the bulk of the talking and said the company was going to cut down on the number of guests who were allowed backstage during the show. There was some talk that this was in response to rumors that a script had been stolen during a show recently. Plumtree did mention there had been a theft, but did not verify whether or not it was a script that was stolen. Let's talk about that. Do you remember the rumor that a script got out there and you thought this has to be an outsider? I don't remember that. You know, again, the, the days before Google drive, when you could keep everything on your phone and you didn't have to have paper running around and 
we would make, you know, we would print X amount of production sheets over in the fairgrounds office. And sometimes we would do it before we got to the building. We would print our formats uh, and we didn't like to see them laying around, but I guess one went missing. But I, I do remember as things kind of got, I'll call it rolling, you know, and you looked at that crowd just a second ago from the Henning deal. I mean, that was, I don't know, we'd have a little over 2000 in that loud building. Um, but backstage it got, it became ridiculous. It, the Kia forum out at AEW several weeks ago, Conrad backstage. It, it, and I get it. I mean, I, I, I totally get it, but it, it was just like, there were a couple of people said something, man, I'm like, Hey, it's LA. You're going to have to expect this. You won't see this in other markets, but I mean, there's 150 people backstage. It's hard to kind of work in that environment when you're actually trying to get stuff done on a much smaller scale, TNA Wednesday night asylum. It became, Hey, I'm going to come down the show and hang out. I'm like, what are you and who are you here with? And why are you hanging out? Oh, because I'm not in the dressing room. I'm going to hang out. Well, you're taking up space. That's just, it happens all the time. It just, it just happens. So, um, I chuckled when I read the research that Mortimer got picked to uh, be the bearer of bad news, but he was just trying to do his job, which was to keep only the necessary personnel backstage because it's a work environment. It was a, as they say in uh, Hollywood, it's a working set. Speaking of a working set, you have to get up and say, Hey guys, you got to cut out the cussing. If you're going to cuss, it has to be approved, but Vince Russo's was approved. Nobody else's was. So stop cursing unless we talk about it. And by the way, Elix don't hit damn fans. And Elix says, wait, that fan swung at me first. <laughs> and what Scott Armstrong says, well, technically that's true. And, uh, he even makes a suggestion. We need security on the heel entrance side to make sure this doesn't happen again. And Mortimer even says, here's the deal. If a wrestler, if, if a fan jumps in the ring, they're fair game, beat the shit out of them. But if a fan is trying to jump over the guardrail, let security take care of that. And you even suggest don't stop and engage with the fans walk and talk. So you can just keep it moving. You figured out where this line is between fans attacking. And I mean, I was a fan once and you attacked me. I mean, I guess those rules don't apply to you, right, Jeff? That's not true. No, you know what Conrad, but the Wednesday night shows started picking up momentum and we were using that, we called it the heel entrance, but people were on top of people. And so the heels did have to come through and look, it, it wasn't the best scenario, but it had a different vibe and there were fans right on top of you. And Elix was right. And I'm sure the fan did take a swing at him, but I also tried to, you know, these public settings of, I don't know who called this and about, you know, I've just never been a big fan of, you know, if there's too much cussing, let's go talk to talent individually. If, if, if there's an issue getting talent from the ring into the heel dressing room, let's handle that in, in, in small groups and talk like that. But uh, I, obviously we didn't, but I also would tell the different heels, if a fan's swinging at you kind of tip your cat in, in your mind, you're doing a good job. So why are you bitching? Right. Be careful. Move on. Um, don't stop. That's that's boy. That's as old schools of an old school. You know, you can hear. I can hear Dutch Mantel in my ear, but he would be reciting whoever, whatever heel from the '60s. You know, if you're a heel and you've got heat, and the people are closing in on you, don't stop. Just keep rolling through. Once you stop, not just can they surround you, but they can kind of feed off that mob mentality, and then they're in control. 
Well, you're in control when you go to Jimmy's famous seafood.com. Now we can bring Baltimore to you and Jimmy's famous seafood is the best crab cakes in the world. Seriously. They're so good. They will ruin you from ordering them anywhere else. You'll never order crab cakes anywhere else. Once you've had these, uh, they are Jim mint 10 might even say. They got the soups, the chowders, the oysters, the signature steaks, plus desserts and all the gluten-free items you can shake a stick at. But here's what's cool about Jimmy's Famous Seafood. You don't have to live in Baltimore. They'll deliver it to your door because they're shipping food nationwide. And now you can use promo code MYWORLD to get free two-day nationwide shipping on orders over 125 bucks. I want to remind you that this is seafood, y'all. The expense is usually in the shipping because you got to get it fresh because everything at Jimmy's is fresh. Well, you can't beat free when you use promo code MYWORLD. Now, what's cool is it makes a great gift. If you're still looking for a gift, maybe you just want to host a party or the, the, the playoffs or the Super Bowl. Man, they got you covered. The world famous gift box has the world's best colossal Maryland crab cakes, four of them. Two different crab soups, a crab dip, seafood seasoning, and their signature bay sauce. Maybe you want some traditional tailgating foods. They got you covered there too. The tailgate bundle has two pounds of wings, a full rack of ribs, a pint of crab dip and crab cake mix, or you can create your own package. I really believe in this business. This is uh, our old pal JR recently said, Hey, shop local. You might not be local. Jimmy's famous seafood. But the spirit of supporting small business owners exists with this family. This is not owned by a corporation. This is a family owned restaurant that goes four decades deep. They've been all over every television program in the world. And now you need to see what all the fuss is about. Jimmy's famous seafood.com. Sincerely the best crab cakes I've ever had. And it's also the worst kept secret in all of wrestling. Did you know that a lot of the guys who are on the AEW or WWE roster, for that matter, the Ravens or the Orioles, they get their meal prep from Jimmy's Famous Seafood? You can get on there and you can select exactly what you're looking for. You can say, hey, man, I want turkey. You know what? Give me an extra helping of turkey. And I want this type of rice. No, I don't want the rice. I want vegetables. They're going to tell you how many calories it is. They're going to ship it to you. And I'm telling you, buddy, you spend more than 125 bucks, you get free two-day shipping. That's where the cost is. Jimmy's is hooking you up here. Jimmy's famous seafood.com. We can't say enough nice things about them. Can we Jeff folks said it on here many times. Best crab cakes in the world are none. It's that simple. Folks got football coming up. Got super bowl parties being planned. I would highly, highly, highly recommend if you want to throw out a great spread at your super bowl party, jimmyseafood.com. Check it out. Use that promo code MYWORLD. You'll be glad you did. So, Jeff, let's get back to the program here. Uh, we've got this big uh, conversation between Vince Russo and Mike Tanay, and there's a famous quote that came out of this that I will never, ever forget. Uh, Russo is sort of denigrating the type of wrestling that Mike Tanay values, the quote-unquote work rate type style that we all enjoy now on Mondays, Wednesdays, or Fridays. Russo wants more of the entertainment, and he says something like, if you want to see a bunch of Lucha Libras, go to Japan, which just got all over me. Libras and go to Japan. Tremendous, great stuff. Of course, 
Today set him up and just filleted him. He brings back a, a ton of, of great detail. This is blurring the lines for sure. We don't have to get into all the nitty gritty, but this made for entertaining television. And it's not something that was going to probably result in a match or headlining a pay-per-view or whatever, but I found it to be entertaining because, well, I just knew the real life backstory of these guys. Did you think that this was a good idea for business? And ultimately, where did your dad land on a segment like this? This is right up his alley. This type of, of, and, and, and you know, if you want to kind of go back in time, if you could have had the story played out at Channel 5 Studios in Memphis, Tennessee, of Mike Tanay and Vince Russo, and they're the mouthpieces. But let's just say behind Mike would have been Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee. And behind Russo would have been any of Jimmy Hart's first family. And the story was, all right, you know, but because they, they both, both individuals, Mike, and Vince were speaking from the heart. It's what they really, really, really believe. Vince Russo, I think to this day, doesn't really see value. I don't want to say, I'm just trying to think in non-American style, it doesn't see value in Lucha Libre or Japanese, or, you know, whatever. It's just not his flavor. And Mike, on the other hand, is is a huge fan of multiple styles. Anyway, just everything they articulated was reality based in their heads. Um, and it played out well. Um, it, it was a, it was a story. You ask what my old man would think of it. It's right up his alley to blur the lines. That's, you know, personal issues, draw money. How do you get, yes. personal? how do you get personal? You, you've got to go down the Avenue that's real or, or authentic or touch a nerve. And, and it, it always kind of, it always bubbles up and comes out of it. So um, I thought it was compelling television. Like you said, it's Russo. It's what amazing you, to me in the line? segment. Huh? What'd you say the line was a bunch of Lucha Libras. In Look, Japan. If you want to see a bunch of Lucha Libras, go to Japan. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, it, it is a great line, but he has another line in there that I'm telling you, man, I just don't get like, he says something like, uh, as today is bragging about your title win in, uh, in, in TNA here back in November over Ron killings, Russo goes, yeah, but only a hundred people saw that in, in reality, it was over a thousand people and, and we've hyped it as being the biggest show and most important moment, blah, blah, blah. And he goes on here and says, yeah, only a hundred people saw it. Like, I don't, I don't get it. And I understand he's a heel, but. Go ahead. No, it, because th those are the little things and they're not little, but I, I would say, and like, oh man, let me think here a minute, Conrad. Just My point is if Russo's saying that this is of no consequence, then what is this segment? The, okay. So, so if that title does, if that title match main event doesn't matter, then what does this matter? Conrad, like, and I, I, we're saying the exact same thing because it, it, it would be something to the point of, how does that help the segment? It doesn't. My it makes point. it all feel insignificant and less than. It, it, less than. And that is something that that is a miss. Yes. It, it, it's just a complete miss. And and it, it's one of those things that uh, the old Memphis TV announcer, 
sitting at ringside. This is when Lance or Dave was off. I, I can't remember the exact story, but there's a match going on up in the ring and uh, the uh, 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 enhancement guy, job boys over in the corner and he's getting beat up. And uh, whoever this wrestler was, Conrad, he's beating the guy down. And the announcer goes, oh, my God, that's a series of kicks. Look at him. He's tearing him. Oh, my. He's just pounding his brains out. Oh, my God. Now, there's a fake one. Now, the announcer called something that he saw, but did he really need to say? That no. He, Let it breathe and move on. He, has, he killed the segment. I mean, it's kind of a legendary Memphis live, live Memphis TV story. Same goes with this. Vince, A, there wasn't 100 people. But if there was 100 people, why would you say that? Because it just tore down your own segment that you're in. The thing that, and listen, I understand that Russo is a writer, bro. He's not supposed to be a television character. He's not supposed to be an angler. Like, he got into this to be a writer. And by the way, if we're honest with ourselves, he wrote some of the highest rated segments of all time. So I'm not being critical of his writing ability. But I am going to say. That sometimes a criticism of someone who does commentary, and you hear this a lot, is that, hey, that guy wasn't working to get the guys over. He was trying to get himself over. So when you're thinking about it from a commentary standpoint, is the talking head, whether it's a color guy, and it usually is, or a play-by-play guy, is he trying to get the product over, the guys in the ring over, or get himself over? And that's a criticism you hear when it's a former talent who's used to being the star now being in the role of being a color commentator, that sometimes it's difficult for them to get out of, get myself over mode that every wrestler has to be in and then try to get the, get over this promotion, get over this angle, get over this wrestler in the ring. And it feels like Russo here is falling into that trap where in an effort to get himself over, he's going to denigrate the whole program which kind of defeats the purpose of the whole segment and everything we're doing, right? Yes, and that comes only from experience and an old-timer, you know, way, way back, old-timer, you know, a young kid walk through the curtain and make those kind of mistakes, they slap their jaw off. Yes. You you immediately get an education and you say to yourself, self, I better learn from this, or if I don't, maybe I'll just get slapped again. Because you're not getting slapped because of anger. You're saying, hey, man, this doesn't work in this industry. It, it just doesn't work, you know, and and by the nature of, and I had this conversation, oh, gosh, last couple of weeks on a Wednesday about the term writer, being writer, you know, whatever it may be. If you want to call your, and I'm not, this ain't Vince Russo, it's just kind of the overall gen, g- generic term. Whether it's Hollywood, whether it's a movie or it's a sitcom, if you're a writer, that means you are absolutely open to get edited because there's a director. I mean, there's so many layers above a writer on any set. Um, It it just goes by nature. And so an unedited writer never works out. In this case, I'm making my point. That's what this is about. I I think today Vince would say, yeah, I probably shouldn't have said that. I should have reeled that back in. Yeah, and listen, by the way, we're not trying to beat up on Russo. We had a great segment earlier talking about Russo. We both think a lot of him, and we're going to let bygones be bygones, and y'all have talked it out, and yada, yada. So I don't want anybody to think that there's some sort of weird agenda here at play. We're just watching a segment critiquing it, as he does every week. Uh, I do want to bring up the 
the conspiracy theory about Russo's segment here, though. Uh, this is a great line here. The segment was taped at about 3 PM that afternoon and backstage, every wrestler and backstage person got a seat to crowd around the monitors. Jeff and Jerry Jarrett were said to have loved it, but Russo hated it. And the feeling was that Russo couldn't admit in front of everyone that he wanted it retaped and hours later during his first interview was clearly still seething about it. Uh, is that the way you remember it? That he wasn't happy with the segment? Or is this just a conspiracy theory? He wasn't happy with the Tanae segment? Yes. I don't. I think he felt like Tanae maybe got the better of him. Ah, well, was that a planned leak or not? I don't know. I mean, you know, conspiracy. I I don't know. Next up, the worst match of the year took place on this show. It's April Hunter versus Desire. (laughs) The Observer says this match was beyond any descriptive term in the English language. Uh... I don't want to pile on them, but let's just say it was not good. And kid cash is going to be involved here because she was so messed up from this spot that she misses the finish of the Siaki cash match where she's supposed to trip cash to set up the finish. She misses him, but he has to sell it anyway, because it's the finish. I don't know kid cash, but I had know of kid cash. And I know that homie don't play. I'm sure there was somebody talking about that backstage. What do you remember about desire and April Hunter? I don't. Here's what I want us to do. Somebody go out of their way, go to promo code Jeff on impact wrestling. Plus I'll let you, but I want to watch there it. This. Is. Hey, I want to watch this now. Don't you Conrad? Maybe Meltzer we can do it for ad free shows. Just see the worst match of the year here. That's what I'm saying. Literally Dave called it the worst match of the year. Yes. Let's take a look at it, folks. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm for it. Up, hey, Marcus, can you do me a favor? Well, well no, never mind. I was going to say, we ought to clip it up and just take a look at this bad boy. <laughs> we got we got to watch it. But I, you know what else we need to do? We need to get Kid Cash on here one day on ad-free shows behind the paywall with you and him just talking. Because I don't know what his theories are on wrestling and TNA, but I'd love to hear it. And you being a fully evolved man and Kid Cash being Kid Cash, it's probably going to be entertaining He's, I'll say this, David, David Cash, but he had the look, simple term is he wasn't afraid to be booed. I no. love that about him. He understood I'm going to get heat and I'll do what it takes to get heat. And the people knew it. And he had a sense of arrogance and cockiness that translated through the camera. Dutch loved him. Dutch said, that son of a gun can get heat don't care to get it and, and, and has no problem being the heel. I, I loved his stuff. I was a huge yeah. fan and was convinced he was going to be a bigger star. Yeah. And then I heard through the grapevine, he was not short on opinion and definitely not shy about sharing it and thought, well, if you don't want to play politics at all, we'll see how it goes. But exactly. yeah, goodness gracious. Uh, the main event is yourself teaming with dusty Rhodes and the road warriors taking on Vince Russo and triple X. That's right. Vince Russo's in a match. And Dusty, damn it, is teaming with the Road Warriors. Meltzer would say the eight-man wasn't as bad as it could have been as there's only a few horrible seconds where Low-Key worked with Animal. Think about that. Low-Key and Animal. That yep. just doesn't seem like that would have been the case, but there it is. Uh, listen, I don't know what else there is to say here. Um, Rhodes is super over. And, well, what do you remember? I, but I mean, and I don't know 
like the exactly specific conversation, but I can just generally w- would get a feeling that, and I'm just going to kind of give you a list off the top of my head, whether it's a Jerry Jarrett or a Mike Tanay or Bob Ryder, um, uh, shoot, we just keep rolling down the list. Jeff, what are you thinking? You're going to put low key Elix, Chris Daniel, he's probably, well, no, he's a high flyer. Okay. And Russo against Dusty and the Road Warriors and you. And I'm going, yep, the formula is this. We'll figure out a spot where Dusty can get everybody elbows. That's all they need to see. And that's all they want to see is we'll co- do a couple of big power spots with Road Warriors, all this. And I'm going to do the rest and I'll just sell the whole match and do a hot tag. It, it, it was kind of a simple formula in a lot of ways, but if you go back and I don't even have to go back and watch this, watch the people. When you have somebody like dusty Rhodes, an absolute legend, they're waiting on him to do anything. And if you build the psychology, right, you've got a magic formula and get dusty involved and go home. He does a promo that breaks ground rule. Number one for TNA by acknowledging Jerry Jarrett. But he also says some other things that have become legendary on our show and in our private group chats with Crowbar. I'm gonna play, I'm gonna play a little audio here from uh, from his promo that night. Midget beaten off in a trash can at 8 p.m. Oh, or how about a midget beaten off in a trash can? The choice is yours. The idea was he's out here asking, "Hey, what do y'all find more entertaining?" A 60-minute match with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat or a midget beating off in a trash can. And he hit it over and over and over. And it's still maybe one of my favorite Dustyisms of all time. And it's on this seemingly forgot about TNA show that we're talking about. A midget, a beaten off in the trash can. But what a great line. The, the, the true greats, he took reality base. We really yes. did a segment, but he yes. blended it. He took reality and made it into a box office promo and the greats do that. They take a shred of whatever it may be and make it their own. Oh, that's funny. Kind of, we've laughed on that one line a lot. Oh, forever. A beaten. I mean, every now and again, you and I and crowbar will just text each other a beaten. Uh, the finish sees Mr. Wrestling, another Mr. Wrestling appear. He's going to knock you out and cost you the match. And he's going to take off the match. And it's Nikita Koloff. Who would have thought? Also on the show is Percy Pringle coming out, and he's actually going to get juice after trying to join with Russo. Russo hits him with the soapbox. And yes, Paul Bear is bleeding a gusher in Nashville. Was this necessary? I know, but did Paul want to do it? Yes. Okay, got it. Yeah. So somewhere in here, the, the company sends a memo out to the wrestlers saying that, Indie bookings are now going to be arranged by them. Wrestlers are allowed to name their own booking fees, which the company will then relay to indie promoters. But wrestlers will be charged a 10% booking fee by the office, uh, but the money will be paid in advance by the office, which will also make their travel arrangements. This would become another controversial move. Who was really pushing for this? Is this your dad doing this behind the scenes? We just wanted to start... um again, growing pains, but the, the talent that we were 
booking essentially every Wednesday. It's not like we wanted control over it, but we knew that we were creating their character. We also wanted to get a relationship with these promoters that they would, Hey, if you're using AJ on every show, every show, why don't you use AJ and I'll pull it in Elix, you know, to get other guys bookings. And also we wanted to take care of, we, we wanted to do them a service, take care of travel. And if may basically use like a booking agent in Nashville, again, living and growing up in Nashville and you see how, you know, there's agents and concert promoters and, and just kind of the entertainment businesses and the bus companies and everything that goes with entertainment. Uh, we just wanted to, we knew we couldn't do it overnight, but you got to start somewhere. You got to start with some talent, a group of talent. You got to start, you just kind of have to grow into this. So it was kind of a collective decision of all of us, even Dallas. H how do we start becoming their booking agent if we're developing and investing uh, you know, uh, into their, into their characters week in and week out. Let's, uh, let's remind everybody that back then you were making their travel arrangements and maybe these days you need some new travel arrangements. Can we recommend CamperMax.com enough? I don't think so. Check them out. If you haven't already, they specialize in max discounted pricing on travel trailers and fifth wheel RVs, and they can be delivered anywhere in the lower 48 from your office, your cell phone, or your couch you can start enjoying the RVing lifestyle. They'll deliver it to you. You know how else easy they make it? Well, they got a discount that will fit any budget. They offer easy financing with extended terms. It really is too easy. Find out how easy for yourself at CamperMax.com. That's C-A-M-P-E-R-M-A-X-X.com or give them a call. 256-320-7033. Be sure to mention me, Conrad, and they'll get you that old friend of a friend deal. I've been personal friends with Rod Wagner and his crew over at campermax.com for a long time. And they take great care of me. They will for you too. Just be sure to mention my name at campermax.com. There's two X's in Max, C A M P E R M A X X.com. All right, let's talk about it. Right after the show, it's reported that Raven, Scott Levy, and Just Incredible, aka PJ Palaco, were released from WWE. And I'm curious. How do you find out that these talents are now available? Because it feels like it's going to be something that you're going to be all over. You know, but back in those days, I'm sure it would have been a hotline or a Keller or a Meltzer or telephone, telegraph, telewrestler, something along those lines. I don't remember specifics um, at all. Uh, how did you see, in your opinion, how did you see Raven? You had been with. Raven back before he was Raven back when he was Scotty Flamingo, uh, and, and you were hanging out with, uh, with him in the WWF in the mid nineties, but then he goes on to sort of make his name for himself in ECW, enjoy some success in WCW and then the WWE. But now at this point he's available. What's your relationship like with him? Did you see him as a top guy? Uh, what was your, your reading on the real life Raven? So like we do here on my world, uh, I read the research and then kind of jog on memory. The first, did you know, uh, Scotty worked Memphis? Did you know that Conrad way back when I believe? Yes, he did. So that's the first time, uh, he was, I, I, first time I met him, he was known as Scotty, the body, uh, and then Scotty Flamingo. Uh, but when he I would say became Raven and the whole ECW run, there's one thing that, you know, and I knew him in WCW and, and like I said, the, the whole deal, he was a veteran 
and veterans understand weekly episodic television. He can talk. Um, I, I knew that. Did we want him? Yes. Uh, did I think uh, I had this vision that we're going to shoot an angle and it would turn people away? No, I, I don't think any of us really predicted that, but um, definitely wanted him. And, and um, he was quote unquote local. So he's Atlanta. Uh, right. So he could, uh, you know, m- make the shows. Uh, but I didn't have any idea was, you know, in those days, that's why it's so different. Does he have any interest? Where, where's his head at? Is he going to take time off for, you know, who knows? Um, but d- d- definite interest from the very beginning. It's um, it's pretty cool to so the, see the backstory here. I think uh, Raven is pretty good friends with Mike Sanders and Disco Inferno and Russo, of course, was in Atlanta. So they're probably all friendly. Yep. Speaking of Russo, he's going to go on the radio and he's asked about Jerry Jarrett. And he says, we barely speak. And he says that they don't really have a full-fledged working relationship, but he does respect Jerry, and he he knows that he'll do whatever's best for NWA TNA. But he would say that his input on the show, meaning your father's input on the show, as far as the wrestlers can tell, is sitting in front of the monitor backstage and spitting chewing tobacco for the entire show. That really, he's calling the shots, blah, blah, blah. Now this, I'm sure, if you take it word for word, reads a certain way, but in reality, this is Russo just working an angle here, right? When you hear him, his job is to sit uh, at the monitor and spit tobacco working, uh, <laughs> <yeah>. working. <laughs> although that's a true story, but you know, Vince highlighting that is, uh, I'll just say that's a very heelish tone comment. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I bring this up because the next week in the torch, Jerry Jarrett heads the pre-show production meeting, which was scheduled to begin at 10 30 AM on the day of the shows. And the meetings are attended by Jeff Jarrett, Scott Armstrong, Brian Armstrong, Bob Armstrong, Don Harris, Mortimer Plumtree, Bill Barons, Goldilocks, Bob Ryder, Mike Miller, and Keith Mitchell, along with Mike Tanay, Don West, Jeremy Borash, and Percy Pringle. Quote, if you think Vince McMahon is hands-on, at least he has agents, one TNA worker said. Bob Armstrong, Weber, and Ryder spent at least some time working as agents, but the Jarrett's have since taken total control of the agent duties. Among Jerry Jarrett's other duties at the building is to talk to the production truck on the headset during the show, talking over with the, with the promos uh, with the talent prior to the show. It's interesting that this sort of what does Jerry Jarrett do doesn't even really come out until Russo has that radio appearance, which makes me say to myself, self, Mr. Jarrett heard about that radio appearance. God, his feelings hurt a little bit, at least enough to address it with Wade Keller. Am I off base in guessing that? I have no idea, but one plus one equals two. Yes. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I really don't. Um, it, it also could be, uh, that's not really the flip of it, but Wade could have heard it and said, Hey, Jerry, you want an issue with this? Yeah, I do. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's probably more likely. That's that's what I'm that's how I, I'm I'm feeling it. I mean and, and at the same time, in that spot, when a quote unquote dirt sheet writer calls and asks if you have a problem with it, if you don't give a comment. It dies. If you give a comment, you get a little more press coverage. So let's lean into it. Yeah. 
Uh, let's talk a little bit about Roddy's promos. We teased them earlier. Uh, they're going to be kind of all over the place. He's talking about everything and everybody from junkyard dog to Owen Hart again, even Kerry Von Eric. Uh, did you ever think of not airing it or is he such a big star that you're like, well, we got it. We got to like, don't read to we, I never, or we, me and my father, uh, even maybe I'm sure we would have probably run this by Keith Mitchell, put different eyes on it and, and not get too caught up in the minutia, if you will. And Roddy's Roddy. Just let it roll. Let's, um, let's mention the dusty promo. He's going to talk about his long history with Nikita Koloff. Of course, we know there's no way Nikita's going to wrestle again. This last match was in 92. Why are we spending so much time on Nikita if if we know we're not going to pay it off with a match? Good question. In in research, Conrad, that's um we probably need to do a little research on this. What all what was there? And look, Nikita would probably answer to this day. Were we talking to Nikita about, hey, will you do one more match? Right. You know, that I maybe. Vince and him were buds. Right. Russo, Russo and him were buds. Our buds. Well, Koloff winds up beating up Dusty. Uh, just minutes later, Dusty walks into the SEX locker room and everybody runs into his elbow. Uh, Zavisco is going to wrestle AJ Styles and lose to him. Zavisco's 50 here. Uh, doesn't really look older than he did when he wrestled in WCW. Uh, at this point, I guess he's found the, the secret of life is just to go golfing every day. Uh, <laughs> Elix Skipper and low key win the NWA tag team titles from America's most wanted. And, uh, the torch says low key was to be surprised as anyone that he was given one of the tag titles since he's scheduled for another Japanese tour in the near future. And you're in the main event. Meltzer would call you stone cold. Jeff Jarrett, as you defend the NWA title in a four-way battle Royal against Don Harris, who gets cut open badly from a chair shot from you, Christopher Daniels and BG James. Uh, you also get some color here and you get the win. And then Raven makes his debut in the asylum. DDTs you and sets up your new program. And the pop Raven got was insane. Uh, and there's an epic shot of Raven leaving with the NWA title and a Vince fears Raven sign in the background. You see McMahon fears Raven right behind the belt there. We've actually got a clip of this moment. Uh, I want everybody to uh, take a look and see this big pop for Raven's debut here in the asylum. So there you go. Cool little moment. You can hear the crowd chanting Raven. It's a big moment, uh, especially for a young company. And it's a nice way to have a cliffhanger at the end of the show. You were in the ring. How did it feel? The big debut from Raven. You got that crowd energy. Take us back. We're just kind of going back to early in this episode. Surprises done right. Are. Magical. Yeah. You, I knew when it happened, this is better than we booked or thought through or expected. Um, you know, the four-way was uh, a, 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 
That's all it really was, was a setup. Of course, the fan doesn't know that, but it was a four-way. Old Donnie Harris took a bad hard way. I'll fully accept my part in that. But but we just kind of had full of action the whole night. We tried to deliver two hours of total nonstop action. But Raven as the surprise and leaving with the belt was all they were going to remember after this episode. And again, the execution and how he left the ring and opened up for the beauty shot and the money shot and Mike and Don telling the story, and we gave ourselves 30 seconds or 40 seconds, not too much time, but just enough time. It all worked out. It, it really, really did. It was a, it was a you know, um, top five moment in the first two years of, you know, it was, it was a big moment. And going into it, you said, this is going to be good. Out of it, it kind of set the tone for the next, gosh, Three, six, nine months. It, we that's we shot the angle right there. And it, it it clicked. It worked and it paid off big time when we built toward that match. Go out of your way to see it. It's impactwrestling.com forward slash packages. Be sure to use this promo code Jeff. It's a phenomenal show. I just love watching those early TNA days. I know we're running short on time here, Jeff, but I do want to ask, how was Raven to deal with as far as getting him to the show, talking through the creative, figuring out the money? Look, Did you, you know- yeah, it goes without saying. Oh, Scott Levy is opinionated, but he's a veteran. He earned it. Always would say, well, people would come up to me, man, doesn't Raven just drive you nuts or irritate you? And I'm like, hey, he's kind of earned his stripes. Uh, like any talent, enough can be enough. But he understood the business. Um, and look, every talent can be self-serving. And I'm not saying Raven was that way all the way, but we all are at certain times. Raven's business. Yeah, we have to be. Raven was business. He wanted to draw money. He went into it. it, it, it I, I've always said this in his core of his heart. He's a good dude, a great dude. Um, but he was business again, you know, going from the territory days to working side by side with announcers in the WWF and talent and then WCW era and then the ECW and all of that. He had been around and been involved in money drawing angles and it, he came at the right time and the right angle and the right position. It really was, I don't want to say just a shot in the arm. That almost under, it was, it was a, uh, again, it, he was a catalyst for a hell of an angle. Go out of your way to see it. I loved it. I think you will too. I also love helping people save money over at SaveWithConrad.com. And if you find yourself in a circumstance where you need to throw a couple of house payments over the top rope, we can do that. See, at SaveWithConrad.com, we'll make sure you have no house payments for the next two months. It's your single biggest bill, and if you got to pocket all of that cash for two months, well, that starts your new year, right? If one of your New Year's resolutions is to get out of debt, save money, something like that, come on, we can kill two birds with one stone right now at SaveWithConrad.com. We're routinely helping our podcast listeners save five, six, seven, even eight hundred bucks a month. And you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. But if you're in a 30 year loan, if you've got credit card debt, man, it's not a matter of if we can save you money. It's a matter of how much, once you owe, it's up to you how to pay it back. Why not pay as little as you can? Why not get the cheapest monthly payments you can? Why not get rid of all that unnecessary interest? I mean, seriously, what's your interest rate on your credit card right now? 15%, 20%, 30%. You know, you can do better. Let us show you how at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Hey, and I want to remind you too, feel free to check out our reviews anytime. 
you'll see we have an A-plus rating with the BBB. And if you go over to conradreviews.com, you'll see well over a 1,000 reviews, well over a 1,000 five-star reviews. Our average right now is 4.72. The most recent one, Chastity, leaves us a five-star review. She says, easy to work with and very helpful in guiding us through the process. Would definitely recommend. Jeffrey in North Carolina left us a five-star review and said, everyone was very helpful, especially Diane. It was a great experience, even for someone with less than perfect credit. 100% recommend. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at savewithconrad.com. Tonight on adfreeshows.com, it's the exact 35th anniversary of the very first Royal Rumble, and we're doing a really cool watch-along event with the guy who won that Royal Rumble, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. It's all going down tonight at adfreeshows.com. We hope you guys can join us. Not only do you get these shows early and ad-free, you get to be a part of the live studio audience and lots of other bonus content. Like we recently sat down with Gary Juster. You've heard had the, heard that name thousands of times on my podcast, but you've probably never heard an interview with him, but we got it to talk about his AWA experience, his NWA experience, his WCW experience, his ring of honor experience. And now he's with MLW. It's all over at adfreeshows.com. Before we get out of here, I want to remind you to hit subscribe on myworldonyoutube.com and check out our brand new merch over at boxofgimmicks.com. It's the easiest way to support Jeff Jarrett and the My World Show. Check it out. The Last Outlaw t-shirt available now at boxofgimmicks.com. Jeff, I don't know what I expected today, but I had a lot of fun. See you next week on My World. Peace, Walter Housen. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.